Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of The Sea Report coming to you live on this Thursday evening, February 24th, 2022. We're doing it here live again, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host as ever, Michael Aaron Gossetis, otherwise known as Mr. C. And uh, we are popping back in for a second episode on today, this Thursday. Now, what gives Mr. C? Why are you running multiple episodes in uh, one night? Well, you know, we've got lots of ground to cover, a lot of things going on, and, uh, you know, just uh, general concern. You know, we've got, uh, we've got, we've got a sudden outbreak, is it so sudden, though, of war happening over in the... Uh, eastern portion of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, as you guys have probably heard by now, undoubtedly everybody has heard about it by now, that Russia has launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, it would definitely seem that is exactly what's going on. You know, now I've been following this as closely as I can in the last couple of days since I've been off the air, but, uh, well, let's just be straight up. Uh, war suddenly broke out, uh, sometime early this morning in, uh, the Ukraine region of the planet. But, you know, to say sudden, I think is a little bit of a misnomer because there's definitely been buildup to this for the last few months. If you've been, uh, watching our episodes here over at the Sea Report, then you're very well aware that uh, rumors of war and talking about war and warning about war and war, 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 invasion, Ukraine, Ukraine, Russia, 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 has been the forefront of the talking point for the deep state, has been the talking point of the forefront for globalist alliances and NATO as well. Even though, interesting enough, when we're talking about NATO and their nation states specifically, we see that, you know, probably like more than half of them don't really want to get involved. And even in the wake of this sudden invasion of Ukraine has been prophesied, promised and, uh, you know, uh, promoted by the West has been uh, has been going on for months, the talking points for months and months and months. So definitely not so sudden, but it seems that according to the legacy media, if you've been watching it, that we're finally here, ladies and gentlemen, that we are actually going to see this theater play out. So we want to do another episode today, guys, just to talk about it. <clears throat> we plan to do, you know, a couple of episodes tonight anyways. Now, in the last episode we had this evening... Uh, we actually uh, acknowledged, congratulated, said a howdy do and a hello to the new government of Virginia. We hadn't had a chance to, you know, they, they got elected into place back in January. Here we are at the end of February. And now we have a, a seemingly a war to deal with. So, well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is the moment you've been waiting for. No, maybe not. I think the whole world could have waited a little bit longer before this kind of a skirmish broke out. But oh, that leaves a lot to be said, you know, as we have been talking about and dissecting what's really going on over there in Ukraine and Russia. 
for probably about two months now. Well, yeah, yeah, about two months now here at the Sea Report. We've been, we've been, uh, we've been uh, at least at least a month and a half. Uh, that we've been talking about, focusing on, and sharing whatever tidbits of ins- information that I could come across uh, over here at the C Studios about what's really going on, you know, what's really driving it. And now we've come up with a whole bunch of theories. We've come up with a whole bunch of uh, historical-based um, uh, preponderances on why this is happening and of course, in our effort to always provide a counterpoint of view to what the legacy media is uh, force-feeding the world, well, that's what we do here at The Sea Report. And tonight shall be no different, ladies and gentlemen. Now, before we get started, guys, uh, as this is a brand spanking new episode of The Sea Report, we'll do just a little bit of housekeeping. We'll keep it short. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time ever on uh, Rumble or Pilled or Foxhole or Twitch or Clout Hub, well, we welcome you to the show. Thanks for popping in while we're doing this live. If you cannot check us out live, though, I would absolutely encourage you by all means to visit us over at our podcast. Now, that is over at anchor.fm slash the C report, ladies and gentlemen, and you can subscribe for free. And uh, you can uh, get our shows on the go in podcast format. We are currently all uh, caught up to date as far as the Sea Report goes now. Our last posted episode here is episode number 252. We just cons- uh, we just completed episode 253. We're now on to episode 254. So uh, we'll try and get tonight's episodes uploaded to the podcast as soon as possible. Now, I went back and looked at some of the numbers from episode 252, which we actually just posted today. We've already gotten a lot of hits on this episode. Ukraine, Russia, NATO, the deep state sends in its rats, okay? Because we're seeing the same characters who were involved over there in Ukraine back in 2014 during the Obama administration coming out of the woodwork. And it seems that uh, these naysayers, these agents of... uh, uh, what would we say? Agents of regime change, okay, are also heavily involved in the conflict that's happening over there today. We busted open a lot of things in Monday's episode about Ukraine and the deep state connections there, including the fact that there are a whole bunch of neo-Nazis, whether they are far left or far right uh, uh, sects, people, organizations, that are involved in Ukraine. And what do we hear today from Putin? We hear that he is going to denazify Ukraine, which I might add, the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy propaganda, mocking word media is calling Putin crazy. They're saying he is crazy to think that the government of Ukraine is currently being run by neo-Nazis. Now, to that I will say they are correct to a point. I don't believe the government of Ukraine proper, such as President Volodymyr Zelensky, are actual Nazis, okay? Now, that's the angle that the legacy media is running with. They're saying uh, he's calling Zelensky a Nazi. Well, Zelensky's not a Nazi. He's nothing more than a comedian president who got elected by popular vote over there in Ukraine and ousted the globalist deep state hack Petro Poroshenko who was the previous president and one of the most corrupt, by the way, to have been held office in Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot of hits on that one. But, uh, yeah, again, check us out over at 
anchor.fm slash the C report. Subscribe for free. Find us on your favorite podcast player. Uh, you know, we're part of some of the big wigs over there. If you want to call them that they do track you guys. So uh, don't get, don't get it twisted there guys. But uh, we, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple podcasts. We are on go ogle podcasts. And so, uh, well, if you have those devices and you feel comfortable with them, I'm not promoting them. You can subscribe for free. Otherwise find us on a whole bunch of other podcast players. We're on like at least, I don't know, two dozen, maybe more. Um, that they host our podcasts there. We also got Lone Star News and other things. We're getting Mr. C in the Dark uploaded over there too. We've got some uh, pretty powerful episodes of Mr. C in the Dark as of recently that are currently available over at the podcast. So I'd say, hey, 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 head on over, subscribe for free. You could take us to go in case you can't. Glue your eyes to a live stream or you don't get to catch us live. Definitely go and check it out over there. The Sea Report, while I was out for two days, uh, I was able to work on the SeaReport.com. Uh, and so this website is almost ready to launch again. I would say go visit us over at the SeaReport.com. Uh, and uh, right now, ladies and gentlemen, if you join our email list, it's brand new. Uh, you will not only help us beat big tech and censorship in case, uh, you know, anything should ever happen if they put the kibosh as it were, on any of our podcast or live streaming platforms, you can get updates and information here at thecreport.com. And if you sign up for thecreport.com right now, uh, I think the first uh, 20, 25 people to sign up for the email list, we will uh, send you guys a sticker or two. We, I finally had the uh, <laughs> foresight to bring the stickers so I could show you guys. Now that's our promotional sticker with design assistance from the printer. That's Printus Maximus. Printus Maximus printed up these handsome stickers here. Our first promotional type of material for the show. Uh, you know, I mean, there's not much to get stuck on with a sticker, but you know, you can put them on your car. I mean, they're matte finished, so I think these would actually fit pretty well there. You can put them on your laptop. If you're in school, put them on your notebook. I think you guys would really enjoy them. I'm enjoying them. I think they are quite quite handsome stickers indeed. Prentice Maximus did an excellent job with these guys. So uh, we're giving these out as promotional type of items. So if you go over to thecreport.com and if you're among the first 20 to 25 who sign up for our email list so you can stay up to date with any scheduling, news, promotions, etc. for our show, The Sea Report, we'll send you over a sticker. So if you've signed up already, um, I will email you guys uh, to see if you would like to receive the stickers because, uh, you know, some of us want to keep our addresses anonymous and I totally respect that. But hey, if you would like to receive a sticker and you uh, don't mind giving up your geographical location, just know, ladies and gentlemen, I can't do much with that information other than know that uh, you know, where you might be residing. So, all right. So I think that's going to do it for our uh, uh, what, do, what do I call it again? Our, uh, I was going to say our maintenance. <laughs> not our maintenance. Not our homework. Our housekeeping here at the Sea Report. Uh, what is this? Oh, that's from, that's from last episode. Let me, get, <laughs> let me get this off the screen for you guys real quick. What am I looking for? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the man they call President Trump. Okay, so we're going to start today's episode as we normally do. President Trump does lead here at the Sea Report as often as usually as possible. And we go ahead and uh, start off with some statements from the president. Now, the president has had, he's released 
several statements in the last, you know, 48 to 72 hours, uh, and then some. We haven't been able to cover all of them and most of them because we haven't been on the air the last two days. But we'll get a couple of statements in from the good president tonight in regards to what's happening over there in Ukraine slash Russia. And uh, the rest of the statements, well, we'll have to save for a future episode. He's done a herald of endorsements for Texas uh, America First candidates who are running in the primary that's here on Tuesday. Uh, For my regular audience who tunes in and for my Texas kin, uh, we will still be doing, uh, we will still be airing episodes about our primary happening on Tuesday. And we'll dig into it, as I promised, guys. You know, we're talking about the uh, railroad commissioners. Uh, We're talking about uh, the propositions that are on the ballot. So we will have that coming, guys. Fear not. That's still in the works. We're not going to... We're not going to renege on that promise to you all about sharing that information. As long as you are looking up your candidate for um, uh, Senate or for uh, Congressional Representative Office, because it's a doozy, guys. It's a heavy ticket on Tuesday. We got a lot of stuff happening in the state of Texas for Tuesday's primaries. So by all means, ladies and gentlemen, we will most absolutely still have that going and on the air before Tuesday for you all to peruse at your own convenience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for joining us. If you're live with us right now here at the Sea Report, again, Clout Hub, Twitch, Rumble, Foxhole Pills, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are live with you guys right now and at this moment. And I see we already got some activity railing on. 123SKG, good evening. Thanks for joining us live and on the air. And thank you for your donation of 117 gold pills. Mr. Relanon, your generosity knows no bounds, sir. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. And, uh, oh, well, let's just jump straight into it, guys, because I've got a lot to say. And, uh, you know, tonight's episode will be uh, part review of the occurrences that have been going on since the start of this uh, this invasion, this full-scale invasion of Ukraine. We'll be looking at, we'll be, re- be reviewing some of where that begins, but we're also going to be taking a lot of a look at uh, the speculation train, guys, because I, you know, I have my own sense about some of these things based on our research. And uh, I think uh, sharing that information with you guys and also kind of debunking what the legacy Mockingbird media is trying to say about this would also be somewhat beneficial to us as we look at more perspective than one and that singular perspective which is provided by uh legacy media that is uh fueled by six major uh broadcasting agencies or promotional agencies whatever you want to call them media networks whatever there's only six of them that control just about what 99.995 percent of all media if it's not independent it's definitely going to be a talking point That's going down the streams to uh, everyone from your cable news networks to your local network broadcasting. I could say that for a fact beyond a shadow of a doubt because, you know, while I was off the air the last two days and I was with family uh, because the only time that we miss work here at the Sea Report is if you got any of the Fs, that's a fever, a fracture, a funeral or family matters. Well, then, uh, you know, uh, I was actually able to 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 absorb and and attempt to digest what it was that the legacy media was telling the people of the world about this full-scale invasion that just broke out uh in the early hours of this morning Russia time and uh it's it's quite a doozy ladies and gentlemen when i was watching some of these reports 
and watching how frantically the legacy media is trying to paint this full-scale invasion as uh, the beginnings of the war to end all wars and, uh, and every reason that you should, uh, you should damn uh, people like Vladimir Putin and the country of Russia um, for what is happening there now. But we'll see, guys, as we jump into it. We'll see. Good evening, Bubbles. How are you doing tonight? Good to see you in the audience tonight, my friend. And, uh, well, let's just get to it. So let's start with a couple of statements from President Trump. Let's see what he has to say about what's happening in Russia and in Ukraine. Let's start right here. Uh, this uh, this um, statement actually comes from February 22nd. So this would be before the full-scale invasion, right, ladies and gentlemen? President Trump says, if properly handled, there was absolutely no reason that the situation currently happening in Ukraine should have happened at all. I know Vladimir Putin very well, and he would never have done the tr- done during the Trump administration what he is doing now. No way. Russia has become very, very rich during the Biden administration, with oil prices doubling and soon to be tripling and quadrupling. The weak sanctions are significant, insignificant relative to taking over a country and a massive piece of strategically located land. Now it has begun. Oil prices are going higher and higher. And Putin is not only getting what he always wanted, but getting, because of the oil price and gas surge, richer and richer. The U.S. was energy independent under the Trump administration, an independence that we had never obtained before, and oil prices would have remained low. Now, what a mess our country is in. And I'll stop right there because, uh, well, let's face it, guys, uh, when we have a, an outbreak of, uh, of conflict like we have right now, um, one has to wonder, particularly if you're bred from the same cloth as most of my audience, well, what's really going on behind the scenes what are they trying to distract us from? Why now? Like, what what could possibly go, be going on now? I've said it many times before, and I'll say it again. You know, the deep state and the globalists need a war, okay? The bankers, they need a war, okay? And I know the bankers is only a, a, a small part of this overall machine of globalism and globalist-run interests, right? But uh, we're facing a massive inflation. You know, we have the Federal Reserve Central Bank of America talking about raising the rates, which will only cause even more inflation, which will only cause prices to go even higher. But of course, we always get that kind of confused when prices go high. What is really what really is inflation? Well, it is the devaluation of our currency, which means that our dollar purchases less with what it is compared to what it used to be. And so I think that's something that we all need to really understand. And I know my audience understands that full well. But uh, could it possibly be that uh, this war, as we've been saying, could be happening to cover for the height rake or the rate hike, sorry, in gas and oil prices and energy prices? Well, it very well could be, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, as we'll talk about in tonight's broadcast, uh, America indeed has been enriching Russia with our devalued currency by purchasing oil from the Mother Russia themselves. Uh, it makes no sense, guys. Okay, and just before getting on the air tonight, I did look up current numbers to see if there's any information about America purchasing oil from Russia. And 
how uh, how recent this has been. Now, we've talked about this before on the Sea Report, okay? We have already we already dug into the fact that the Biden administration has bought more oil from Russia in the last year than we have at any point in our nation's history. So one would have to ask, why on earth would we be picking a fight with one of the main importers for oil because the Biden administration has decided that they're going to purchase oil from Russia. And yet at the same time, we're going to pick a fight with them. It makes no sense. It could very well be because they are trying to cover for the fact that gas and oil and energy prices are going to be skyrocketing, right? And they are because as President Trump said in his statement, we were once upon a time energy independent and we are not anymore, obviously. But why are we purchasing oil from one of our biggest and gravest enemies, someone who threatens the very existence of this country, according to globalist and deep state operative intel, why would we be enriching the enemy and purchasing their oil if we want to then slap them with sanctions and try and destroy them as a whole? It makes absolutely no sense if you think about it in that type of a way, ladies and gentlemen. So that's just one caveat to consider as we go down this rabbit hole tonight, so to speak. And that is uh, covering the events that are happening over there in Ukraine and Russia. Just it makes clearly it makes no sense, guys. It clearly makes no sense. But we got recent uh, we got recent articles, studies and numbers to share with you guys about that. And uh, yeah, we went all the way up to uh, January of this year. We will probably even get numbers for February. But again, how long has the deep state, how long has the globalists been pushing this talking point of war with Russia? It's been months. For months, they've been pushing this talking point. So why within any span of the last few months have we been purchasing oil from Russia? I would like to know, ladies and gentlemen. But another thing that we would want to consider here in regards to the need for war, think about the inflation rates and the rate hikes that the, the Federal Reserve is going to do on interest. Well, let's just put it plain and simply. Anytime the Federal Reserve or any central bank of any country has gotten anywhere near the point that the people will recognize that they are actually the detriment to the economy and to the value and the purchasing power of our money, it has to do with the type of business that the central banks do. And that is, uh, that is a, an equation that devalues and uh, weakens our purchasing power and it jeopardizes our economy to the point of destruction. But in order for us to not figure that out, they have to have a war. Because if they have a war, they can use that as an excuse as to a reason why they suddenly had a crash in their economy. But they can also use that to try and uh, prop up their coffers, to try and prop up, uh, you know, their ability to say, well, you know, we recovered because, uh, well, we had a war and all of a sudden, you know, we were spending money. We were we were purchasing ammo and we were we were uh, making metal and making weapons, you know, just you think about like to like to 19 with the 1940s and World War Two. Right. When uh, you had World War II happening, you know, all of a sudden, all of the manufacturers in this country, they're all gone now. But back then it was like, oh, yeah, well, we're putting people back to work because they're going to help us uh, serve our country by uh, creating weapons and all that good stuff. Not good, but, you know, all that stuff that will fuel and move the war forward. So that is another reason why war is most beneficial, because, again, it puts a uh, it puts a fog or it puts a screen over what's really happening with our economy. But I would uh, dare to say that those are not the only two reasons why these people need a war. And that's not that that wars 
not only meant to distract us from our economic situation, it's meant to distract us from everything else that's going on in our country, such as the Durham investigation, which is finding that we had a presidential candidate who also served as Secretary of State spying on a duly elected president while in office, which is uh, it's an offense that's highly punishable and should be tried. So why not just kind of gloss over that with war and threats of war? Because right now, all we're getting from the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird propaganda media is, is this. They've been, since this morning, they've been airing nothing but the Ukraine crisis. The Ukraine crisis is the only thing that has been on their screen. What is it that they're not reporting, ladies and gentlemen? Could it possibly be that they're not reporting the election fraud that's coming out in mass? Could it be that they're not reporting about the election decertification for the 2020 elections that is currently in process? Very much so. These are things that they will want to be covering over. Could it be that they don't want us to focus on the fact that the COVID-19 pre-planned pandemic is a failed narrative? These are all things to consider when we're thinking about why they need a war. There are even some conspiratorial ideas about why they might need a war, including the fact that uh, as long as they have this war going on, you know, uh, they can uh, they can try and get away with whatever it is that they want. And uh, maybe there's another pretext for why Putin went into Ukraine. After all, Ukraine is an entirely corrupt land. Now, I'm not saying President Zelensky is corrupt, but... We do know that as far back as at least the Obama administrations, Ukraine had become a hub of operations for the globalists and for deep staters to launder money to uh, probably human traffic. You know, I've heard that there I've heard now this is this is nothing I can bring you sauce on, guys, but I have heard that Ukraine is a base of operations for massive human trafficking uh, organizations and um, and activities, as well as money laundering, as well as terrorist cell um, operations. Everything is coming out of Ukraine, uh, and the deep state, the globalists, are heavily embedded in there. Now, Putin did say that he is going into Ukraine to denazify the country, which again, I will say, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news legacy media is calling him crazy. And they're using that as a counterpoint or a talking point uh, to, to just show to what lengths this madman will do to, um, to invade and uh, to occupy Ukraine, okay? But as we have already discussed here on the Sea Report, as we debunk the globalist narrative live and on the air, we know that there have been and that there are Nazi factions working inside of Ukraine and that administrations such as the Obama administration employed these people in order to bring about regime change back in 2014 and before that, okay? So that's already been established. My audience is very well aware of that as a fact. But we also brought you a story on Monday that talked about how, uh, and they even admitted this, they even admitted this on their news reports that uh, the Ukraine government is actually employing neo-Nazi, far-right and far-left agencies, organizations, regimes uh, to help them defend the Donbass area, to which I asked, well, why isn't the Ukraine military doing that? Why are they hiring neo-Nazis to do this if this is not some type of feigned ruse that the deep state and the globalists are using to create war in Ukraine and then also to bring in Russia as the enemy against everyone in this world and the people 
in general, ladies and gentlemen. So a lot of things to consider tonight, and we're going to juggle them around here for the next hour or two, live and in the flesh with what you got going on today. Uh, let's see here. What do I got going on? We got WC Cranop popping in again. He says, what the fudge senior was on thought I was getting C in the dark drop or loosen the tie. <laughs> oh, WC. Actually, I started with no tie at the beginning of last episode and then I popped it on. But yeah, no, no, Mr. C in the dark. We're doing a double header for the C report tonight. Mr. WC Cranop. If you'd like, I will put a coat on. How about that? <laughs> Okay, guys, let's move on with our next statement from President Trump. It's short and sweet. President Trump says here, Putin is playing Biden like a drum. It's not a pretty thing to watch. Yeah. And this comes from yesterday. This comes from yesterday, the 23rd. So again, guys, it's pretty recognizable that what is happening over there is, yeah, Putin, I mean, come on, you know, like we have, uh, we have Putin, we have them declaring that Putin is going to invade last Wednesday. Putin supposedly, well, he invades today on a Thursday, a week later, a week and a day later, he invades Ukraine, according to the legacy media. And I, I will use terms like according to, or supposedly, just as we kind of fish our way through this, guys, um, it does look like it may be a full-scale invasion. But again, guys, as I've been following this throughout the day, you know, I see the same 20 second video footage, the same five second video footage, the same 10 second video footage repeated over and over again. And I'm thinking this is a full scale invasion. Why don't I see lines of tanks? Why don't I see uh, numerous helicopters, not just eight? Why don't I see soldiers on the ground? Why don't I see what they are saying that is happening there? Uh, could it be because they don't have anyone on the ground at CNN? Now, watching uh, some of the CNN reports, for example, and even some of the ABC News and NBC News reports, for example, uh, you know, they have their people who are on the ground in Ukraine. But, you know, that lighting is just so perfect that green screen behind them is, you know, just as good as the one that I got behind me. And that's not that good, ladies and gentlemen. So why is it that, uh, you know, to me, it looks like it is entirely, entirely fabricated. But again, ladies and gentlemen, we will go through this and see what we can talk about. Okay, guys. All right. Yeah. Uh, WC Cranop says, we'll talk manana, some other theories floating around about the whole thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, if you want to get into some in the dark topics, I'm kind of wondering because Putin said this is a military operation, not a takeover, not a let's seize the land of Ukraine. I'm kind of thinking, what if, uh, Putin is taking out the, uh, globalist black hat, uh, you know, uh, people in Ukraine? Because, but that's just, that's an in the dark kind of conversation, guys. But we're still going to go into it. And uh, let's see here. Oh, MacGyver. Hey, MacGyver, what's up? MacGyver says, look at Ukraine live cam feeds. It looks like a normal day's activities. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I don't got, I don't have Ukraine live cam feeds, but I'm going to look those up now that you mentioned that, uh, MacGyver. And thank you for tossing that hot tip into the chat, because that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm looking at these reports of people who look desperate and trying to get this narrative out there, almost as if though some of them know it's not true. And I'm wondering, why is it not, 
why are we not seeing just like we're only seeing the same three pieces of footage you know we're seeing what could uh, could inevitably be you know russia going in to take out deep state operative what if they're taking out like uh, a a, mili- a deep underground military base that is run by the deep state. I mean, you know what comes to mind? Chernobyl comes to mind, okay? And when I'm hearing that they're taking over, they have taken over the Chernobyl power plant there in uh, Ukraine, I'm like, wait, what? Like, why would they go after Chernobyl? Is it because, uh, you know, the people in Ukraine or the deep state or globalist operatives are trying to, uh, I don't know, make their own nuclear weapons? Could that be a reason, you know? And uh, does Zelensky know about this? Because I happen to believe that Zelensky is a good guy in this. I don't think he is connected to the deep state globalists uh, like some people might assume. But again, you know, if I am wrong on that, well, you know, we can always correct ourselves here at the Sea Report. There's nothing wrong with uh, correcting, you know, going course correcting when new information comes out. But I am, uh, I can say that most of my analysis on this situation has been on par from the jump. I can say that for sure. And so, you know, another question that's coming out is because Putin has declared that uh, he was going to support the Donbass region with the two, uh, the two uh, people's republics out of the Luhansk and the Donetsk because there is genocide happening over there according to what Putin is saying. It's being performed by the government of Ukraine. When you say the government of Ukraine, I think deep state operatives. I don't think Zelensky, okay? I think that these are deep state operatives who could be doing that. But then what we're going to hear is that Putin has used genocide as a pretense for invasion before. Okay, that's what we're going to hear. If you haven't heard it yet, that's what you're going to hear. Putin's used genocide as a pretense for invasion before. And where did this happen? This happened in South Ossetia and in Georgia. So guess what, guys? We're going to take a look at South Ossetia and the Georgia skirmish that happened back in 2000, what, 2008 or so? We're going to take a look at that too, guys, and we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to dig into whether or not there was actual genocide that happened in South Ossetia or in Georgia. As Putin said, that was not a pretense for Putin to go in. Russia, according to what I understand, was in Georgia as a protective force, as a peacekeeping force, because the government of South Ossetia and Georgia were having their tiff and there was genocide that was happening in that region, okay? But again, again, the lamestream fake news legacy Mockingbird Media has spouted this off as Putin invading a country using the fake story of genocide. And Antony Blinken, as we watched on Monday, did say that Putin would use genocide as a pretext to invade Ukraine. And uh, Putin has declared that genocide has been happening in the Donbass region. We'll dig into that, ladies and gentlemen. We will most definitely dig into that. W.C. Cranop says supposedly mass graves. Well, we're going to dig into that too, Mr. W.C. Cranop. And how are you doing, Miss Ankavanka? Good to see you in the audience tonight. I hope you are doing well, sweetie. Okay, so as we get into tonight's episode, the first thing that we're going to do post-President Trump statements is we are going to hear from the president himself. So I was able to track down this uh, interview that happened today. Uh, with President Trump on the Laura Ingram show. And uh, they are talking about what's going on in Ukraine. I haven't heard this uh, interview yet, so I'm quite interested to know what the president has to say about it. And uh, this is pretty much exclusive. And uh, we're lucky that they haven't taken this down yet off of uh, YouTube because 
Typically, these clips go under copyright notice, so let's play it now before it's too late. <laughs> before they decide to can it while we're live on the air, I'll make sure we have good sound. It's about 10 to 12 minutes long, and uh, we'll see what Laura Ingram and uh, President Trump, what insights they give us that will help us understand kind of what's going on there right now. Thank you for joining uh, us tonight uh, via telephone. Uh, you're watching this unfold. Your reaction to Putin's threat if uh, any Western nation or any nation intervenes with this Russian military action? Well, this is something that should have never happened. This would not have happened during my administration. In fact, some people were saying, why didn't this take place uh, over the last four years during our administration? And it didn't for a very good reason. And I'll explain that to you someday. But it wouldn't have taken place, and it wouldn't have taken place right now. And it's a very sad thing for the world, for the country, and it's certainly very sad for a lot of people that are going to be needlessly killed. Well, speak, give us give us a sense, though. I mean, you you know Vladimir Putin. I mean, you've dealt with him. Uh, how would you have avoided this conflict? How how would you have prevented these series of events from unfolding? Well, look, I do know him, and I know him very well. We've had many, many. Uh, times together. I got along with them fantastically, despite the fact that I shut down Nord Stream 2. Nobody would have heard of Nord Stream 2 if it weren't for me. I'm the one that shut it down. And I'm the one that told uh, Angela, you're doing a terrible thing by doing this. And they were going to get 75 percent, not 30 percent, 75 percent of their energy from Nord Stream 2. It was ridiculous. If you remember, I told you this uh, privately once. I sent them a white flag, a flag of surrender, I gave it to She said, what does this mean? I said, that means you'll surrender as far as Russia is concerned. They've had a lot of conflicts over the centuries. So I think that it's a, it's a terrible thing. Uh, the way it started, I really don't believe he wanted to do this initially. I think he wanted to do something and negotiate, and it just got worse and worse. And then he saw the weakness. And, you know, it really started, I think, with the weakness in Afghanistan, the way they pulled out of Afghanistan. I really believe that's where he— started thinking, you know, he can do this, because when he saw President, how pathetic... Yeah, yes. President Trump, I uh, want to just ask you this. We understand that Biden, um, President Biden is monitoring the situation at the White House now and is going to talk to the G7 tomorrow. Tomorrow? <laughs> and he's going to talk to the nation at some point tomorrow as well. Uh, your reaction to that approach? I don't think he's monitoring. I think he's probably sleeping right now. This is a terrible thing. This is something that should have never happened. I really believe that it was Afghanistan when he looked at that horrible, weak pullout, one of the worst, when the military gets pulled out first, when people, our soldiers are dying and horribly wounded. And, you know, when we leave $75, 85000000000 billion worth, billion dollars worth of equipment, you know, they're one of the biggest sellers of military equipment in the world right now. They're selling the equipment that we left at $85 billion. And we left hostages behind, a lot of hostages, more than President, anybody knew. I President, think when they saw that, Laura, I think that mm -hmm. they said, maybe we can do this. President Trump, uh, the burgeoning friendship between President Xi and President Putin is of deep concern now, finally, I should say, to the State Department which described this as a potentially destructive force in the world, uh, gone, as, gone as the hope for some new world order where, you know, everyone's going to get along. 
if you have our two major adversaries now working in concert, seemingly against the West. Did you, yeah. did you think that that was an important to dynamic to disrupt when you were president, given what a obviously powerful alliance that could end up being? Well, I had a good relationship with both, but it was hurt by the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, which was a total hoax. You see what happened with Durham and those reports and other reports, including Mueller. It was just a made-up hoax, and it really hurt our country. But despite the hoax, I had a good relationship and had a very good relationship with President Xi of China, other than he wasn't happy about the fact that I was tariffing and taxing the hell out of him, which— Somebody had to do finally after so many years, but had a very good relationship. You know, as a young man growing up, I always heard that the worst thing that can happen is if you drive those two countries together. And it really started with Obama and energy. He drove them together because one needed the energy and the other one needed the money. He drove them together and Biden put them. I kept them apart. And Biden uh, now it, it looks like it's a it's a great love fest, and that's a very bad thing it's the, for the fact. And I think you could probably add Iran into it, too, because they're including Iran also, Laura. It's a very bad thing what that happened. Very, very bad how thing. Critical, how is critical is it now? I'm sorry to interrupt, but how critical is it now that this administration, even with all of its climate change you know, fanaticism, that it moves to lower the cost of energy for Americans, given— how we've already seen a huge run-up right up to this conflict uh, for a variety of reasons, but this is obviously not helping. Do you think this might break their desire to kill oil and gas, at least for a short period of time? No, because just yesterday he ended up—he ended a lot of leases and a lot of, uh, a lot of the energy and the oil. He ended leases just yesterday because it wasn't good for the environment. This whole environmental thing has gotten out of control. China doesn't adhere to it. Russia doesn't adhere to it. India doesn't adhere to it. Nobody adheres to it but the United States. He's driving us out of business. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. We have to get back into the real world now. Uh, we had energy at a level that nobody's ever seen. We would have been double the size of Saudi Arabia and Russia combined in one year. We were already bigger. And we were energy independent for the first time, probably ever. They say in 72 years, probably ever. We were President energy Trump, independent, and he we're, blew we're it. Just, we're just learning that uh, U.S. officials are looking at um, a potential amphibious landing now in Odessa, Ukraine. Again, a month ago or three weeks ago, all the so-called experts were saying that, you know, Putin was probably going to just be content with staying in those separatist regions. Uh, but I think given what's unfolded, sadly, with a lot of weakness in the United States, they just decided to go for it. I mean, it looks like they're going for it. And where I does think, that leave NATO, the NATO alliance? I think you're exactly right. I think that's what happened. He was going to be satisfied with the peace, and now he sees the weakness and the incompetence and the stupidity of this administration. And as an American, I'm angry about it, and I'm saddened by it. And it all happened because of a rigged election. This would have never happened. And that includes inflation, and that includes millions of people pouring in on a monthly basis, far more than 3 million people. And they're coming from 129 different countries. We have no idea what's happening, and they're destroying our country.
President Trump, we actually have just hold on. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but we have uh, we're going to the Pentagon, I believe. Ukraine. Okay. Sorry. Ukraine is okay. speaking at the U.N. OK, that's not me. I don't know who did this. So let's see what's up. So they killed the feed, I guess, right here. So we can't hear Ukraine talking. Gee, I wonder why. So get this. Fox News killed their own feed with this uh, grassroots Democrat politics. So I guess a Democrat put this together and they don't want you to hear what Ukraine has to say at the United Nations. Now we're going to have to look for it. Hold on. Let me rewind it a little bit so I can get the name of this guy. And we're going to dig into that and see what he had to say. I want to know what he had to say. Do you guys want to know what he had to say? I Ukraine. Sorry. Ukraine is speaking at the UN. Okay, I'm, poo I'm poosing it. I'm pausing it because I find it very interesting that they blocked this out. So uh, let me just get some, let me just take some notes here. Ukraine, UN. That's interesting, isn't it? Why would they, why would they censor this segment? That's what I want to know. I mean, Fox News is more likely, and this was at 1047 p.m., UN, New York. Fox News is more likely to take down this interview for copyright infringement than the United Nations is to take this down for uh, copyright infringement. So that is very suspect to me. All right, here we go. President uh, Zelensky earlier today, President Trump, where he in Russian, he doesn't like to speak Russian, but in Russian, he was essentially imploring Vladimir Putin not to invade his country. Um, in now we basically have the Ukrainian uh, ambassador to the United Nation, Nations looking like a defeated man. Uh, your final reaction? Well, I think the whole thing, again, would have never happened. It shouldn't happen. And it's a very sad thing. But you know what's also very dangerous is you told me about the amphibious attack by Americans. You shouldn't be saying that because you and everybody else shouldn't know about it. They should do that secretly, not be doing that through the great Laura Ingram. They should be doing that secretly. Nobody should know that, Laura. And, you know, no, you that, that, that was the Russian. Those are the, no, those are the Russian, the Russian uh, amphibious no, landing. No, I thought you said we, that. I thought you said that no, we were sending no, people in. Oh, no, okay. I did not. No, 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 no. Oh, that would be okay, that okay. would be news. That, that would be news. Okay, in President Trump's defense, I heard Laura Ingram say we were sending in amphibious. I heard her say we, not Russia. Okay, so I'm pretty sure President Trump heard her right. We can rewind it. You think we should rewind it? No, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll let her have this one. But she did say we're sending in amphibious. Or it was a very ambiguous statement. It didn't sound like Russia was sending an amphibious into Odessa. You know what? Screw it. Let's look at it. Let's see if she said. I swear I heard her say we were. Let's see. Let's see if Laura Ingram said it. Debunking the mainstream legacy media on the air. Here we go. Yeah, President Trump, I want to just ask you this. We understand that Biden, um, President Biden, is monitoring point tomorrow as well. Uh, your reaction? A terrible thing. This is something that's pulled out first with 75 of military equipment. Pres anybody knew? I Pres think when they saw that, Laura, I think that mm -hmm. they said, maybe we can do this. President Trump, uh, the burgeoning friendship between President Xi and President Putin world order where, you know, everyone's going to get along. That was an important, what a, obviously, by the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, including Mueller.
other than he wasn't that relationship. You know, as a young man growing, put him, I kept him apart. And also, Laura, it's a very bad thing what that happened. Very, very bad how thing. Critical, how is critical is it now? I'm sorry to interrupt, but how critical is it now that this administration, even with all of its clients, given how you think this might break their desire? He ended a lot of leases and a lot of uh, a lot of the energy and the oil. He ended leases just yesterday because it was here to it. India disgrace. Christine, we would have been we were already bigger and we were energy independent for the first time. Learning that uh, U.S. officials are looking at um, a potential amphibious landing now in Odessa and um, a potential amphibious dependent and he we're, blew it. We're just we're just learning that uh, U.S. officials are looking at um, a potential amphibious landing now in Odessa, Ukraine. Again, a month ago or three weeks ago, all the so-called experts were saying that, you know, Putin was probably going to just be content with staying in those separatist regions. Okay, so it could be misunderstood, right? It could be misunderstood. It could be misunderstood, okay? But, uh, I mean, that's how I understood it. That's how President Trump understood it. But uh, that complex sentence right there, and then I guess the context clues from what she's saying right now would indicate that the U.S. officials are looking at Russia doing an amphibious landing into Odessa. And so what we're hearing now is that Russia has uh, invaded Ukraine from three points, from the north through Belarus, from the east through the Donbass region, and from the south from Crimea. Odessa is just, uh, Odessa is um, to the west of Crimea. So that would be an entrance from the southwestern region of Ukraine through Odessa, if they're going to have an amphibious landing. All right. Okay, Laura, we just had to check you. That's about it. No harm, no foul, nothing personal. Describe this. Uh, Zelensky earlier today, President Trump, where he in Russian, he doesn't like to speak Russian, but in Russian, he was essentially imploring Vladimir Putin not to invade his country. Um, in now we basically have the Ukrainian uh, ambassador to the United Nation, nations looking like a defeated man. Uh, your final reaction? Well, I think the whole thing, again, would have never happened. It shouldn't happen. And it's a very sad thing. But you know what's also very dangerous is you told me about the amphibious attack by Americans. You shouldn't be saying that because you and everybody else shouldn't know about it. They should do that secretly, not be doing that through the great Laura Ingram. They should be doing that secretly. Nobody should know that, Laura. And, you know, no, you that, that, that was the Russian. Those are the, now, those are the Russian, the Russian uh, amphibious no, landing. I thought you said we, that. I thought you said that no, we were sending no, people in. Oh, no, okay. I did not. No, 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 no. Oh, that would be okay, that okay. would be news. That, that would be that's news. All, and you no. know what? Hey, that's all we need. That'll be next. Okay. Now we ought to protect our own borders. You know, we ought to get to the southern border and start protecting the southern border. But it's a very terrible situation. It's a situation that should have never happened, Laura. Well, never there was happened. a there was uh, a poll that just came out today was of, uh, I think it was was a 36 percent support, American support for increased military involvement in Ukraine. So there does not seem to be, at least right now, public appetite for us to get involved militarily. President Trump, we really appreciate your joining us tonight on uh, what is uh, going to go down as a very historic uh, series of events in Ukraine. Thank you so much. And back with me now is Fox's foreign correspondent, Trey.
Okay, guys. All right. So there is word from President Trump on what's going on over there in the Ukraine region. So let's go ahead and pull that off the screen. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to look at some live cams, guys, because I really am glad. Two Rivers, I see you're talking about live cams. MacGyver, he brought up live cams. Really glad you guys brought that point up. So let's get them on the screen. Okay, so we're looking at webcams.com slash Ukraine. Here you can see the latest view from 231 live cams in 68 destinations in the country of Ukraine. Okay, but now keep in mind, guys, like they're, they're, they're on the ground invading them. So I don't know what we're about to see. Um, what I can tell you, though, is that uh, when I was on the air in our last show earlier today, uh, they were talking about um, a possible midnight attack from Russia. Like they're going to like triple down on what's going on. So let's just I guess we'll pop a few of these open. Let's see if they have um, I guess we'll I'm like any mini miny mo. Let's go to Le View. We'll open up that one because I know that's on the map. Let's go to Odessa. We'll open up that one. Uh, let's open up. What else can we open up? I want to see uh, if they had... Uh, we'll, we'll open up the Donetsk just to open it up. It'd be really interesting to see if they had the uh, Chernobyl one as well. Um, we'll. We'll just pop open a few of these and see what's up. We could just go through all of them, but uh, let's see. What do we got going on here? Okay, so, uh, oh, cool. All right, so it gives us a, a viewpoint also on the map. All right, so we're looking at, so we can get a, a kind of a better idea of what we're looking at. Um, let's go to full screen so we can see where these live cams are situated. Let me go ahead and enlarge that for you all so you're not just looking at my face. Okay, so uh, we got uh, Ukraine here. Now, this is to the west. Now, Lviv, or Lviv, uh, in this area, I hear, from what I understand, see, here's Odessa down here. Here's Crimea down here. Uh, the Donetsk is way over here on this end. I need to get, like, a, a pointer that you guys can probably see better. I heard a lot of people are evacuating out over here into Poland, okay, uh, but let's just see. Now, this is going to be kind of far out of the way from the center of activity that we are understanding that this is happening. So uh, we'll just open up one and see what it has to offer. We'll open it up in Lviv. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but we'll open it up in the proper area for that. Okay. That's their town hall. Current, last, and daylight views. Click here for full size. Ooh, how interesting. I've never done this, guys. Um, this is the last 24 hours over here. We might just drop this. I want to go to where the action is. And not to sound uh, cynical or... What would the other word be? Not to sound, uh, not to sound like I'm trying to be a. Uh... Let's go to Odessa. Okay, so True River says these are not the live cam views. Okay, all right. Well, then we're gonna. I need. I will need to find those. Okay, let me back out of these. What is that? Oh, this is a live stream. I got. I've got all the live show. 
We got all the shows on live right now that are been they've been doing nonstop coverage of this. What on earth are they uh trying to distract us from, right? Okay. Live webcams, online stream uh from cameras in Ukraine. Live stream webcams of Ukraine. I mean I've never done a live stream search, guys, so a live cam search. So uh bear with, please. So we're looking at another website for live cams of Ukraine. Oh, here's Odessa again. Odessa, Odessa, Odessa. There's a lot of Odessas. Well, if they're going to be doing an amphibious landing, right? You think it would be here, right? <laughs> In this port. Health track cam. Okay, let's go back up here. We're going to look at... Kiev, or Kiev, however you want to pronounce it. Go away. Okay, European Square, Kiev. Oh, I guess we could find this on YouTube, huh? Okay, so they are under martial law right now, currently. They do have a curfew. This is war-torn Ukraine, live and in the flesh. Okay, so you guys are getting that image on your screen, I'm sure. Oh, look at it. it has zooming capabilities. They're like, oh, snap, someone's watching. And this is live as of uh, February 25th, 2022, 6.31 a.m. So this is already, it's already tomorrow morning over there, I guess, is what we're seeing here. 0600, the 25th. So that's what's going on in Kiev right now, where the Russians are invading it. And there's helicopters and there's uh, missiles and there are tanks and it's a full-on invasive invasion. Okay. All right. I think I'm satisfied there. Let's go back and see what else we got. Again, that was the capital of Kiev, ladies and gentlemen. All right. That was European Square. Uh, let's just go here for, you know, uh, hoots and hollers. Okay. All right. So we have an amphibious landing happening right now. Russia is doing an amphibious landing into Ukraine. This is in Odessa. All right. This is live right now. See the birdies? An amphibious landing at 6 in the morning, 6.31 Ukraine time. Ladies and gentlemen, bring your kids indoors. Don't go to the beach. Don't go fishing because you might run into a Russian... uh, war boat or something like that. Okay, so let's go ahead and pull that one off. MacGyver says earthcam.com. Cool. All right, we'll go there, MacGyver, as well, while we kind of dig into this a little bit. Let's look at the Sadco Fountain. That's Oblast, Oblast. Um, Zapforzia, Zaporizia, Chernihiv. Chernihiv, Odessa, Ukraine. Let's just pop a few of these open. Do you guys want to go look at the swimmers at the thermal waters over there in Oblast? <laughs> lordy, lordy. Look at Here's another Odessa. We'll just pull some of these open again. And uh, let's go back up here. We'll look at uh, a few of these. Okay. Did we look? We didn't look at this one yet, did we? I think we did. 
Okay, let's just see what they got. Oh, video is unavailable. The video is private. The video is private. This one's still available. Okay, so this is... Uh, I mean, I don't even see... Uh, war, smoke, whatever, you know. Okay, so let's go ahead and close those. We'll take you back. Okay, uh, let me open up another window here. And we will go to uh, earthcam.com. Thank you, Mr. MacGyver, for Jimmy Riggin my uh, podcast tonight. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Let's go over to... Let's go over to the whole... Do you think they'll, do you think they'll have it? The Hostomel Airport? Because the Hostomel Airport is allegedly... It's what? Like, uh, it's 20 kilometers out of Kiev. It's where they, uh, they had a big old firefight, apparently. I think that's the correct spelling. I could be wrong. Okay, so they... Uh, okay, so I heard... Oh, Hostomel. Yeah, I was correct. Hostomel... And also the Antonov Airport. Okay, so let's do that. We got Antonov and we got Hostomel. Let's see if that worked for us over here at EarthCams. They do not have Hostomel Airport. So let's try Kiev or Kiev. EarthCam Maldives, Maldives, DC. Okay, so clearly let's try it like that. Okay, EarthCam Kiev Skyline Cam, Ukraine. Loading. This is live as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. This is a nighttime view. Okay, it goes into daytime. I'm looking for plumes of war. And I'm not seeing it. Okay, so uh, I don't know, guys. I'm not seeing... Uh... Oh, we don't want to go to San Francisco. We don't want to go to Florida. I don't care. It looked like that chick was about to slap that man. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's go ahead and back out of this real quick. We'll, we'll stay on this site for just a minute. Um, let me see here. What else we got going on? Let's look at Odessa. Ukraine. Nothing for Odessa. Okay, I spelled it wrong, I think. I think it's one S. Let's just do it like that. Of course, it's going to pull up Odessa here in the States, right? Uh, let's see here. Norway, Australia, Russia. Estonia, Romania. Nothing for Ukraine. So let's just go ahead and pop in Ukraine and see what they got. Okay, just Kiev, Vinitsa, Vin Vinitsa, Kiev. Look at all these beachfronts they have in Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see here. Oh, more results coming up. Now I've heard, I think this one I've seen about, I've done heard stuff was going on there. They've got some pretty nice beaches over there in Ukraine. Huh, let me tell you what. Sea of Azov? Hmm. 
the sanatorium, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's see what this one looks like. Oh, error, error. You cannot see this one. Where was that at? That was in... Uh, I pulled up... Um, oh, look at Severdonetsk. I pulled up Sevestol and this one doesn't work. Okay, let's pull this one up. Okay, that works. Translated to English, por favor. This is in Donetsk. Okay. They've got plenty. Wow. Let's check this one out. Do I get translation services here? If you're joining us on the podcast, guys, we are currently looking at live cam feeds of Ukraine to see if we can see the Sunday Bloody Sunday that apparently is happening there right now. I see someone walking their dog. This is the Donetsk region, guys. This is the one that has the Russian separatists. We see someone obeying the law here with their car. There's a biker. And by that, I mean someone riding a bike, not someone uh, fat hogging it down the road. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I was expecting to see a bit more, but of course, I mean, maybe they're just showing us the friendly parts of Ukraine. This is also still within Donetsk. Okay. Looks pretty war-torn to me. All right. We'll close that one out. Let me close this page out. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. I want to pop over here and we'll just check out one more website and then we're going to get on with the show. I think, I don't know. Are you guys satisfied? Are you guys satisfied? Uh, let's see, live webcams, online stream access to cameras in Ukraine, live Ukraine webcams online. Here's another Odessa one. Let's pop this baby open and see if she works. We'll pop all these open, I think, or webcam Kiev Independence Square European Square. Okay. Let's see if we got any catches here. Well, webcams Lviv. So this is 6.42 a.m. on the 25th in Ukraine. That looks pretty non-threatening to me, guys. Let's move on. This is Independent Square. Again, we saw this one already. This is from Kiev. Independent Square, 643. We've seen this one. Maidan Square. Oh, there is sound on this one. Okay. Can't say I'm impressed by Putin's forces. This one is not working, though. Whichever one this one is, it's not working. Error loading, it says. Right, guys, I'd say we've done some good work here. MacGyver says, I want to see the explosions the MSM is telling us about. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You want to see some explosions? We'll play some explosions. But it's going to be the same explosions that you look. Look, do you see the tanks rolling into the streets, guys? Do you see this full scale invasion? 
Like, you would think you would see Ukraine military there, right? You'd think that you would see people in Ukraine and military. Yeah, the YouTube live cams were set to private two rivers for, for Odessa. So, I don't know, guys. You tell me. I would think I would see uh, at least Ukraine military out there, right? Like, guarding the streets, protecting the citizens. I hear an airplane. It's coming from this one, the airplane sound. Okay, well, let it be known, we looked at some of these live cams, guys. And this is what we got. Now, I'll probably save this page, to be honest with you, so we can go back. So this way, whenever uh, Russia does decide to do a full-scale invasion, we got some live cams. All right, because till then, we don't got a whole lot. Okay, all right, so here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to play one of these live streams real quick. Let's see. France, 24 News, uh, RT, hmm? viewer discretion advised includes, let's play this one, because uh, Mr. C needs to take a Mr. C break real quick, so we'll do that, <laughs> hold on, we're already going on an hour 15, okay, hold on, just a moment, friends, okay, so what we'll do now, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, we just saw the live feed cams, right? And thank you guys again for uh, suggesting that. Uh, let's see what the live feeds are saying on the news. Like, because you know what? If this thing really is fake, uh, <laughs> they're going to be replaying the same stories over and over instead of providing live coverage like they should be, right? They should be providing live coverage. Now, I saw this one this morning. What? What's This is what? Uh, France 24 English. And uh, they have subway stations that are, they're using as bomb shelters, okay? And, and I was like, this looks like CNN is in a subway station doing a report saying that it's a bomb shelter. <laughs> you know, okay, so let's, let's, see if what's, let's see what CNN's doing, okay? And then we're going we're gonna to jump into the rest of this episode. Let me see what this one is. This is uh, NBC News. Okay. Explosions reported near major Ukrainian cities after Russia launches attack. Oh, and, and let me guess. This guy's there live right now in Ukraine, right? He's in Kharkiv, Ukraine. Let's go to a live cam. Kar this is Kiev, Ukraine. Okay. This could be a regular old... Uh, <laughs> this could just be a tire fire, guys. But they want us to believe that... <laughs> Let's see what he's saying. Let's see what he's saying. To us, of course, we want all our teams to stay safe. Matt Bodner, I want to ask you. I mean, President Putin now calling this a special military operation. What can you tell us? What is he saying is the justification for this attack? And I know we're hearing from the Kremlin spokesman who's saying the goal is neutralization of Ukraine's military potential. Can you elaborate more on that? What do we think the goal is for Russia right now? Thank you, Joe. Well, on the one hand, they say that, as you said, the goal is to essentially neutralize the Ukrainian military, but it's also to denazify, as they've been describing, uh, the Ukrainian government. They're describing this to Russians uh, and, to some extent, also Ukrainians, that they are uh, a liberating force from, from essentially an oppressive 
Nazi government. There's really no other way. That's, that's what they're saying. So what we're seeing so far, uh, uh, as Matt Bradley said, uh, it is actually quite difficult to understand what's happening on the ground. But it is clear uh, that there are, at the very least, cruise missile strikes. There are, are some other reports of various other uh, military activity. But the goal at this phase does appear to be, uh, as Mr. Peskov said, neutralization of the Ukrainian military. But also a very important point, something that's really striking to me right now in Russia, is, is, is control of the narrative is really important. Uh, you know, when, when President Putin got on television early this morning, by the way, before really Moscow had woken up, uh, he didn't describe this as a war declaration. He was announcing the start of a special military operation. You mentioned this. Throughout the day, we have seen uh, continued insistence from the Russian defense ministry that everything is going fine. There are no Russian casualties. Okay, so special military operation. You know what I think is going on? I think Putin is going in there to take out the deep state. He's going in there to take out the black hats and the globalists, okay? And that's why they've been fretting, okay? Now, interesting enough, because this is a full-scale invasion, uh, but apparently CNN doesn't have enough integrity to keep trying to fake the narrative. So they're not even live right now, guys. Sky News is live. Uh, Two Rivers pointed out they're broadcasting. They're, uh, they got... Former Defense Minister Annie Sobre, Anna Sobre on. I don't know what she's saying, but we're not getting. I mean, you would think right now if this is a full-scale invasion, right? That uh, we would see there would be a total coverage. We need total coverage happening right now in uh, Ukraine. We need to film the tanks rolling in, and we're seeing the same thing over and over again. You want to know what we're seeing, guys? This is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. Check this out. Same video over and over again. This is the video that I've seen like 50,000 times today. And that's it. That's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That and maybe two more smokestacks. We're, but this is a full-scale invasion, okay? But we're going to keep playing the same thing over. Now, I'm going to play this video next, which I... Ooh, maybe we should play this one. Let me... Okay, let's, let's check this one out. Let's check this one out. I haven't seen this one. This is from... Uh, NBC, NBC News, ladies and gentlemen, NBC News. Okay. And then don't worry, guys, we're going to talk Ukraine. We're not just going to watch videos all night long and try and debunk it that way. We got some talking points. Yeah. And we don't mean the kind of talking points that people parrot, except for people who lurk on my show. Okay. I'm being a gnat. I'm being a jerk. Okay. Hold on. It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. The sun came up this morning, a missile striking an industrial park in western Ukraine. A helicopter assault on an airport outside of Kiev. Close, intense fighting. And there are civilian casualties. Local officials say this apartment building was struck in eastern Ukraine. Heartbreaking images of people, bloodied, staggering out of their homes. And this is what remains of another family's apartment. A baby stroller among the debris. We traveled to this Ukrainian military installation near the eastern port city of Mariupol, 
This radar station took a direct hit. Russia is picking off Ukraine's military facilities one after another. But Ukrainian troops are fighting back, and Russia is also suffering losses here. Ukraine says it's just... Okay, I have to pause it here. I have to pause it here only because as I'm looking at this stuff, I'm thinking, uh, besides this little baby stroller, I'm thinking, what if Russia is picking off the globalists in Ukraine right now? What if that's what this operation is all about? What if he's going in there and he's saying, that's it. I'm going to get rid of these freaking globalists. And of course, we got the legacy mockingbird propaganda media shouting out that this is an invasion. But we're not even seeing what looks like a full-scale invasion happening in Ukraine. What if this is that? What if, what if this is part of the white hat offensive? Okay? What if this is what we're watching? But, of course... The legacy propaganda media, the Mockingbird media is showing us, and I'm not saying that this is what's happening, but I am saying I'm not seeing a full-scale invasion, okay? I am saying I'm not seeing thousands of tanks that you would see. How many helicopters would you see in the sky? And then why are we not seeing Ukraine fight back, okay? Why are we not seeing Ukraine fight back? I need to get as much footage of Zelensky speaking unabridged, hopefully with translations, so I can see if they're not just cutting out what he's saying to make it seem like he's begging Putin not to invade. You know, or he's begging Putin not to do this, this, or that. Uh, that's just what my gut is telling me, guys. I have no receipts to, to suggest what I am saying is true, but what if that's what's going on here right now? What if, ladies and gentlemen, that's what this has been about? Two Rivers, getting rid of the Nazis, 100%. He said that. In fact, I have his speech. We're going to go over his speech in a little bit. Let's just finish this up, and then we'll talk. All right, guys. Destroyed some Russian tanks using American-supplied missiles. That this is a damaged Russian helicopter. And that it has captured some Russian soldiers. On day one, the army has been holding strong. But they're being pushed to the limit by Russia's full-scale invasion with attacks across Ukraine, which is the size of Texas, from areas near those pro-Russian enclaves in the east to the capital, Kiev, in the west. Even capturing the still radioactive Chernobyl nuclear reactor. It all began from a desk before dawn, when Russian President Vladimir Putin declared a special military operation on Russian television. Russia cannot feel safe, develop and exist with a constant threat emanating from the territory of modern Ukraine, he said, describing the government in Kiev as a junta of neo-Nazis determined to build nuclear weapons. It was a split-screen moment, Putin announcing his assault as his actions were slammed at the U.N. Security Council, Ukraine's ambassador blasting Russia's representative. The Russian president declared the war on the record. Should I play the video of your president? There is no purgatory for war criminals. They go straight to hell. Later, after Putin stopped speaking on cue, the missiles and airstrikes began. Russian tanks rolling across the border from Belarus in the north and Crimea in the south. For Ukrainians, the choice was to hide in deep Soviet-era subways built long ago to shelter Ukrainians from an American attack or to run if they could get through the traffic heading out of Kiev or to ride it out, stocking up on food and cash. How are you feeling? This is your mother 
I'm trying to keep my children calm. Putin is not helping. We are Ukraine, she says. What do you what do you think about that? He isn't protecting us, she says. It would be better if he sat there in Russia and did not touch anyone or anything here. Ukraine is fighting for its right to exist as a sovereign country and against a man who says Ukraine belongs to him. Richard joining us now. Richard, Putin insists he's not trying to occupy Ukraine, but what can you tell from what you've been seeing about what might be the goal here? Well, he might not want to occupy Ukraine, but he certainly wants to overthrow the government. And to do that, he'd likely have to take the capital, Kiev. And U.S. officials say that is what he probably intends to do and where many of his forces are heading. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all that guy this guy here he creeps me out <laughs> don't ask me why he creeps me out okay all right so yeah i mean i don't trust the translation from a nbc and this is the fodder i'm talking to you guys about that they're giving to people who don't have streaming services or cable news network <laughs> okay so anyways okay view of kiev as ukrainian president says enemy sabotage huh what's that all about Hi. Ah, no. Oh, my goodness. Get the SJW soy boy off my screen, please. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh, yeah. So this is view of Kiev. Check this out. View of Kiev as Ukrainian president says enemy sabotage groups have entered. And this is what, <laughs> whoops, this is what they're showing on the Washington Post's live stream. So does this mean that the Washington Post does not believe? <laughs> Washington Compost, you're falling behind on the narrative here. They're like, we're not going to go down like CNN. <laughs> we're not going to push war that, a war that's not happening like CNN. Dang. Okay, uh, let's see here. This is what I've been doing. I've just been watching this, like, uh, these news feeds. And how, you know, I'm surprised CNN is not live right now. I mean, I'm not. But you would think. I, it's because they don't have enough, they don't have enough uh, people on staff to keep their offices open 24 hours is probably what is going on. You guys are probably like, what are you watching now? Let's see real quick. 60 miles from the capital, Kyiv, U.S. military sources say they believe the Russians are driving on Kyiv to surround and, quote, decapitate the government there. We saw fighter jets flying over the city this morning. 
as emergency air raid sirens wailed. A large number of Russian helicopters seen on social media posts attacking a military base less than 20 miles from the center of the capital, triggering a pitched battle. The Russians launching over 160 ballistic missiles and rockets on military installations across Ukraine. There's also reports... Okay, I had to pause it real quick, guys. I had to pause it because of this. Check this out. Where'd it go? Really? They're not... What happened to the report we were just watching? Come on. They showed, did you, did you see where all those military, those missile strikes were? We, we looked at live, live cams of those places. Lviv, Lviv, we just saw Lviv and they had a direct hit in Lviv by a missile, guys. I didn't see a direct hit from Lviv. Did you guys see a direct hit on Lviv? Did it look like that place was blown up to sky smithereens? I mean, we literally saw a live cam and I was like, oh, this is in Western Ukraine. Like not much is going on over there. I guess, uh, I guess we should look at another region. But according to this uh, propaganda newscast, there were live strikes in Lviv. That's insane, guys. Like, did we just debunk this crap or what? <laughs> Here we go. Let me see if I can find that again. Let's take a look. Come on. We didn't even see this. What the heck? Do they just like... Okay, maybe it's here somewhere. I'm like, did they just edit themselves live and on TV? Well, I guess we lost it. I guess I'll have to go back and see it myself on my screen. Okay, whatever. Whatever NBC News or whatever you are. ABC News. Whatever, okay? <laughs> All right, well, apparently Lviv, we saw the live cam for it. Apparently they got struck, okay? <laughs> apparently they got struck. Uh, I was going to play this for you guys because this was another another video that I, I saw that I hadn't seen anywhere else. So we'll check this out real quick. <laughs> Дружеская Россия сделала. Вот нанесен удар. Сзади меня воронка. Еще дымится, видите? Вот. Вот. Сторонникам Путина, России. Посмотрите. Вот что происходит. Вон. Видите? Слышно. Разрывы еще. Вот я на военном аэродроме. Yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for weeks. Ain't I been saying it for weeks, guys? 
they're cleaning out uh, they're cleaning out the globalists that's what this is that's what this oper- this military operation is they're getting the nazis out ladies and gentlemen they're get we have just totally totally debunked this let me see them let me see dozens of tanks let me see dozens not dozens let me see hundreds of tanks let me see hundreds of helicopters and jets rolling in if this were a real military invasion a full full scale invasion they would not stop just because it's six in the morning okay in ukraine this would still be going in fact every single news station would still be showing live footage and the reason why they're not is because a it's not happening and because b it's not happening okay (laughs) it's just not it's not happening you know it's not happening it's a lie this has got to be them taking out the globalists in ukraine okay so let's move on from that guys let's move on what do i got next for you i'll let all this stuff play all this stuff will be playing in the background while we're live here guys uh but excuse me pardon me that was rude um Russia attacks Ukraine. Biden hits Moscow with broad sanctions. Oh, oh, it was all against the banks. His sanctions were all against the banks, y'all. It was all banks this, banks that, banks this. You know what? I don't think they care. I really don't think Putin cares if you cut him off from the That's central banks. It's uh, it's like they said down here, you know. Uh, I think W.C. Cranop, uh, Cranop said... Um, um, uh, I know Putin is not a friend, but enemies can be partners, right? Because we have a common enemy. That is the globalist, deep state, cabal, Illuminati, New World Order, whatever you want to call them. Russia has been trying to kick the... Russia has kicked these guys out. Russia is a sovereign country. That's why they hate Russia. That's why Russia is being called the bad guys here. That's why Russia is always being painted as some big old, you know, demon force from the north, you know, biblical or not, right? You know, and then I just got to make a comment on this. MacGyver was like, do you remember when they showed all those dead bodies when COVID-19 started? I was like, no, I don't, MacGyver, but I sure do remember the thousands of dead homeless people that were dying from a pre-planned pandemic. I bet you remember that one, right? (laughs) Okay, so good volley there. Good volley there, MacGyver. Good volley. Okay, so uh, what else? Okay, so here's what we're going to do now. I want to take a look at what some of the Russian news agencies are reporting for you guys, ladies and gentlemen, so you can see what they're saying about this incursion. Uh, let's see what this says here. Uh, this is from TOSS. Okay, we're going to look at like a couple of articles, not too many, just so we can get more perspective. We're not Russian bots here, obviously, but we like to take in a broader view than just what our our uh, propaganda media is trying to force feed us it says top brass reveals 74 ukrainian military facilities were crippled by russia's strikes among them are 11 airfields belonging to the air force three command points a ukrainian navy base and 18 radar stations of s300 and buk m1 missile systems Defense Ministry spokesman Igor Konoshenkov specified. It goes on to say, More than 70 ground infrastructure facilities belonging to Ukraine were incapacitated by strikes carried out by Russia's armed forces, Defense Ministry spokesman Igor Konoshenkov told reporters on Thursday. 
As a result of the strikes conducted by Russia's armed forces, 74 ground facilities of Ukraine's military infrastructure were knocked out of action. Among them are 11 airfields belonging to the Air Force, three command points, a Ukrainian Navy base, and 18 radar stations of S-300 and BUKM-1 missile systems. According to him, a combat helicopter and four uh, Bayraktar 2B2 unmanned combat aerial vehicles were shot down. He stressed that the strikes are carried out by Russia's armed forces are not targeting Ukrainian cities as well as social facilities in military garrisons. So what are they striking then, right? What are they striking then if they are not striking Ukrainian cities? You see, I don't know. I mean... It looks like to me like if they were going to bomb and destroy Kiev, Lviv, uh, we saw some of the live cams, guys, where, where the news is claiming there were military strikes. Now, it's kind, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, of the missile strike in Syria that President Trump did. Ladies, you guys remember that, right? Because uh, Syria gassed their people with mustard gas. And then we had an idiot reporter from CNN go over there and they're like, I can smell the gas. And it's like, girl, you'd be dead if you smelled that mustard gas, right? But nope, nope. I mean, they expect us not to know these things. They expect us, the, we stupid civilian peons, not to get that you can die from mustard gas. And so what does President Trump do? He responds by firing missiles into Syria. And did he kill people? Did he kill civilians? Did he bomb cities? No. He took out strategic, globalist, deep state, Illuminati, NWO sites. That is what Trump did when he struck into Syria. You guys think that this could be happening here? Do you think this could be the case, guys? Do you think this is what we're seeing? Right? Everyone's getting so lost in the conflict uh, they're not seeing straight. Russian military disabled 83 military facilities in Ukraine defense ministry. We'll pop this one open. I don't think I saw this one earlier. And uh, Ukrainian Air Force infrastructure degraded. Air defenses suppressed. Russia's top brass. We're going to look at these. Uh, they're short but simple uh, articles here. Russian flag taken down at embassy in Ukraine. That's fine. Uh, Russian regrets. Russia regrets Germany's statement on Nord Stream 2. We haven't even gotten to that yet. Diplomat slams illusion that West would not impose sanctions on Russia. Hmm. We'll look at that just because, you know, we're talking about the West. Uh, Russia supports sovereignty of neighbors was forced to make exception for Ukraine. Okay, so this could be an interesting article, too, for some perspective. Again, this is all about perspective, guys. We're not Russian bots here, but we don't believe what the propaganda mockingbird mainstream, lamestream, fake news, shamestream, legacy media has to say. We don't. We don't believe it. They are all a bunch of liars, okay? Falsos in unos, falsos omnibus. They, are, they lie in one thing, they lie about everything. We don't believe them. Ukraine's threat to develop nuclear weapons, not an empty bro. Okay, so we'll just go back up to here. Okay, all right, we got immersive. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, yes, okay. Uh, Russian military disabled 83 military facilities in Ukraine. Since the start of the special operation, Russian armed forces have disabled 83 facilities of Ukraine's ground military infrastructure, destroyed four planes and four drones. Russian Defense Ministry spokesman Major General Igor Konashkinov uh, has told reporters overall as a result uh, of, air stri of strikes by the Russian armed forces, 83 ground-based objects of Ukrainian military infrastructure have been knocked out. 
of action since the start of the military operation. Two SU-27 and two SU-24 planes, one helicopter and four by uh, Bay Raktar 2B drones of the Ukrainian Armed Force have been shot down. Russian President Vladimir Putin said in a televised address on Thursday morning that in response to a request by the heads of Donbass republics, he had made a decision to carry out a special military operation in order to protect people who have been suffering from abuse and genocide by the Kiev regime for eight years. The Russian leader stressed that Moscow had no plans of occupying Ukrainian territories. Okay, that's what it says from Russia. Russian leaders stressed that Moscow has no plans of occupying Ukrainian territories. Now, keep in mind, they don't recognize Luhansk or Donetsk as Ukrainian territory. They view those as Russian uh, Russian uh, ancestral lands, but they also view them as sovereign nations away from either Russia or Ukraine. When clarifying the developments unfolding, the Russian Defense Ministry reassured that Russian troops are not targeting Ukrainian cities, but are limited to surgically striking and incapacitating Ukrainian military infrastructure. There are no threats whatsoever to the population. Now, someone could watch tonight's broadcast. Someone could see this show on the off chance and be like, uh, that's propaganda. Uh, Putin is going to take over Ukraine. Putin's going to sack the cities. Putin's going to kill you know, the, uh, the governing body, you know, the politicians, uh, the leaders over there in Ukraine. Let's see if that happens. Okay. Let's see if that happens. Okay. This is only day number two, right? They're like, what, 8 a.m. over there in Kiev right now in Ukraine. So let's see. Okay. But this is what they're saying. And this is, let's see, let's see how Russian media weighs against the Western media, because already what we're seeing in the Western media it looks like a whole bunch of lies and it looks like what they're saying is true. Okay. What we're reading of Russian media and what we're seeing, cause we just did the live cam watch. We watched live cams from multiple cities. Okay. We looked at the, we looked at what they're um, showing us on live uh, television right now from France to Germany, to America, to Australia. Okay. The mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media. And what they're saying does not match what we're seeing. What this is saying matches what we're seeing. So let's just see how it stacks up, okay? Let's see how it stacks up. We're not picking sides here, but we're going to see how it stacks up, okay? And hopefully we're going to keep on debunking this stuff. So WC Cranop says, come on, man, took out all military so he can walk in and take what he wants. I don't know. WC Crane up, you're right. He could be doing that, but we'll see how it stacks up. He could be taking out all of the military sites so this way he can just take over Ukraine altogether and he can reclaim it for Russia and he can occupy Ukraine from here until eternity, right? Right? Because even, I mean, we know for one that they don't have, well, I mean, maybe they do have the, the economic ability to do that now that, you know, America has been buying oil from Russia you know, for, for months on end in a higher amount of volume than we have ever. Okay. So yeah, we enriched Putin. So what's up with that? Right. Okay. We were energy independent, but we're not anymore. I know I don't got to tell you guys that, but we got viewers on other platforms. Okay. So let's see here. Uh, this one says Ukrainian air force infrastructure degraded air defenses suppressed Russia's top brass. And we're just reviewing their media guys. We're not taking sides here. We're just reviewing the media and seeing who's stacks up to what we're seeing on the ground. Ukraine's air defenses are suppressed. Military airfield infrastructure is degraded and Ukrainian border guards are not putting up 
any resistance to Russian troops, Russia's defense ministry reported on Thursday. Ukrainian border guards are not putting up any resistance to Russian units. The Ukrainian air defenses are suppressed. The military infrastructure of Ukrainian air force bases have been degraded. Russian President Vladimir Putin said in a televised address on Thursday morning that in response to a request by the heads of the Donbass republics, he had made a decision to carry out special military operations uh, in order to protect people who have been suffering from abuse and genocide by the Kiev regime for eight years. Okay, so we read that. Okay, so we already read, this is basically what we read already. It emphasized that, again, Ukrainian military infrastructure was being destroyed by precision weapons. Civilians are not threatened, it assured. Okay, and we'll see. We'll see if they're assured. Okay, diplomat slams illusion that West would not impose sanctions on Russia. That is the uh, Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova. It says here, suggestions that there would have been no sanctions and condemnation from the West against Russia if it had not recognized the sovereignty of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic are an illusion. Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova said on Tuesday, a very important point. Now everybody wonders what's with the sanctions, what the reaction will be, how the Western wave of anger will spread, triggered by Russia's recognition of the sovereignty of the DPR and the LPR. But it's a great illusion to think that there would have been no sanctions, anger or condemnations if Russia had not recognized the DPR and the LPR. There certainly would have been, the diplomat stressed. Let's take, for instance, the example of the Western message, as they are always motivated by the interests of people and specifically someone whose rights need to be protected. Let's take the story of Crimea. In 2014, it was impossible not to notice that the decision to reunite with Crimea uh, was made on the basis of the will of the Crimeans. There was a referendum, an appeal, and so on, but no one noticed. However, it was impossible not to notice that since 2014, human rights, those notorious human rights, the language, the legal framework, everything else, along with the development of the media, indeed, took place in Crimea incomparably more, uh, many times more than it was before 2014. But the West managed not to notice and has been extending Crimean sanctions against our country every year. According to Zakharova, the West does not need grounds for sanctions. Even if those grounds contradicted their message and the actual facts, it wouldn't make any difference, the diplomat said. So she's saying they would have put them into sanctions either way. Okay. Russia supports sovereignty of neighbors was forced to make exception for Ukraine. Let's see what this one says. So it says, Russia supports sovereignty of former Soviet republics and the situation with Ukraine is an exception because it's related to outside influence on the country. Russian President Vladimir Putin said during talks with his Azeri counterpart, Ilham Aliyev. Okay, so outside influences are working in Ukraine and that's why he had to make an exception is what this is saying. Putin reminded that Russia supported Kazakhstan at the start of 2022 to preserve its sovereignty. We intend to act the same way with regard to all our neighbors going forward, he said. It's different with Ukraine, and it's related to the fact that, unfortunately, the territory of this country is used by third countries to create threats for the Russian Federation. That's the only reason. Putin noted that after the coup in Ukraine, we do not see that level and quality of interaction in Ukraine. It has vanished. I want to emphasize, it happened after the coup and the illegal seizure of power by those who did it, the Russian president said. 
He told Aliyev that before the start of the meeting, he spoke by phone with Kazakh President Kasim Jomart Tokayev. In his opinion, the situation in Kazakhstan in the beginning of 2022 is a good example of the fact that Russia only supports the sovereignty of its neighbors, strengthens it in any way possible, and the example of Kazakhstan is evidence of this policy. Putin said that after the completion of the CSTO mission in Kazakhstan, military forces of the organization were pulled out, and Russia and Kazakhstan continue to cooperate in all areas that benefit both countries. Boom, ladies and gentlemen. Boom, okay? Boom. Now, based on that talking point, WC Cranop, do you think he's going to go in there and take whatever he wants, or do you think he's literally going to stand by his word, okay? All right, let's see what we got here. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, okay. Uh, This article comes from spacewar.com. All right. Russia invades Ukraine, dozens killed. Let's see what it's got to say. Okay. Russian President Vladimir Putin launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine on Thursday, unleashing airstrikes and sending troops deep into the country in unrest that Ukrainian authorities said left dozens dead. The attack triggered Western warnings of unprecedented economic action against Russia as NATO and the EU condemned the invasion, while the G7 agreed on devastating packages of sanctions. I, I, I just got to say, NATO's not sending in forces to help Ukraine, right? They're not. They're not, like, they're not rolling in with tanks, Germany and Poland and all of the other ones. They're not doing that. Why are they not doing that? If this is a real full-scale invasion... And the people, the government of Ukraine, are literally facing death by Putin. Why are they not helping them? Why are they kind of like, well, we'll do sanctions. We'll do sanctions on you. We'll, we'll, we'll ban your, we'll freeze your assets in America. We'll freeze your assets with uh, central banks. Uh, you know, it's in the billions of dollars, Putin. Think about that. Neener, neener, neener. But they're not going to actually... For all of the support and firepower and military power that they've been talking about this entire time, they're not going to go in and stop Putin from killing them all? Like, really? You see how these things are just not adding up, guys? Like, they're just not adding up at all. So who do you think's telling the truth here? Someone is lying, like President Voldemar Shalinsky said. Someone is lying, but he's caught between a rock and a hard place, Zelensky. He's probably in one of the toughest positions any president of any country has ever been in, I would say, as his country is constantly being used as a doormat for conflict in this region of the world. Historically speaking and presently speaking, poor, poor Zelensky, poor, poor Zelensky, okay? Now, I think Zelensky's a good guy, okay? I do. I honestly feel like he is a good guy. I feel like he is not working or he's not totally in bed with the deep states. I don't know. Maybe he is now, but at least that's my sense of it. I don't know. Cause if, because if Zelensky really were fully in bed with the deep state, they would not be trying to bring back president Poroshenko as the savior of Ukraine from Russia. And that's what they're doing on the mainstream, uh, you know, jargon boxes. Like they're, Oh, Poroshenko, the great return of the mighty corrupt president to save Ukraine. BS ladies and gentlemen, I mean, just read a little bit, you know, and this is pretty easy to understand. Okay, I'm not saying I'm right. I don't care if I'm right. I'm hoping as few people are affected by this military operation as possible, okay? I don't need to be right. I'd rather we have peace. 
my ladies and friends. I'd rather we have peace than uh, someone being right about the situation. I mean, I don't understand why some pundits and some... uh, Let me not even get on that. Okay, let's finish reading this. Okay. The attack triggered Western warnings of unprecedented economic action against Russia as NATO and the European Union condemned the invasion while the G7 agreed on devastating packages of sanctions. Weeks of intense diplomacy failed to deter Putin, who massed over 150,000 troops on Ukraine's border in the West and said was the biggest military, or the West said it was the biggest military buildup in Europe since World War II. Let's not forget, though, that even President Voldemar Zelensky of Ukraine said 150,000 troops, that's not enough for a full-scale invasion. Those are the words of the president of Ukraine. Okay, he said that, not me. He said that. And look at the West, this is the largest buildup. We had a hundred and fifty. We had a hundred thousand of their of them there since last April. He adds fifty thousand more, and all of a sudden it's a full scale invasion. Ooh, man, these people think we ain't paying attention, okay? Or that we can't dig a little bit. I have decided to proceed with a special military operation, Putin said in a televised address before dawn on Thursday. Shortly afterwards, the first bombardments were heard in Ukraine's capital Kiev and several other cities, according to AFP correspondents. Following a day of intense violence, the site of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster fell to Russia. And that's what I'm interested in. I want to know why they went to Chernobyl. Was that a deep underground military base? Was that a globalist stronghold? Were they using the ghost town of Chernobyl to run secret covert operations, the globalists and all those people? That's what I want to know. I I, I mean, we're going to look at that. But that's what I'm wondering. Why was Chernobyl so important to Russia? I mean, other than the fact that maybe the Ukrainian government or maybe the deep state Nazis who've been running the Ukrainian government behind the scenes, not Zelensky, but the other shadow forces, right? Maybe they were, they were building nuclear warheads in, in uh, Chernobyl because it's radiated and it's dead and there's nobody there and you can't live there. So let's use this as the perfect opportunity to build a nuclear ar- ar- armory uh, in the Ukraine region. I'm just throwing this stuff out there. You heard it here first on the Sea Report. If you hear it tomorrow, they've been lurking, okay? All right, now it says, Shortly afterwards, the first bombardments were heard in Ukraine's capital, Kiev, and several other cities, according to AFP correspondents. Following a day of intense violence, the site of Chernobyl nuclear disaster fell to Russia. Russian airstrikes hit military installations across the country as ground forces moved in from the north, south, and east, forcing many Ukrainians to flee their homes to the sounds of bombing. The country's defense ministry said Moscow forces had successfully completed their objectives for the day. Olena Krulo was among 20 wounded after a blast sent shards of glass from her windows into the eastern Ukrainian town of Chugiv. Never under any conditions will I submit to Putin. It's better to die, the 52-year-old teacher said, her face swathed in bandages. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said there was now a new iron curtain between Russia and the rest of the world, like in the Cold War. U.S. President Joe Biden, select, said that the G7 group of wealthy nations had agreed to impose devastating economic sanctions rather than going into, uh, what, uh, in the name of democracy, fighting against Putin to save the people of Ukraine in the name of democracy, in the name of freedom, in the name of human rights. Okay, that's all you're going to do, Joe Biden? Or is it because maybe uh, you don't have the moral ground here and you know that this is a military operation to take out globalist threats, deep state threats, and it has nothing to do with trying to invade Ukraine. It has nothing to do with trying to occupy and take it under the Russian bear's uh, big old hairy armpit.
Uh, I don't care what Biden tweeted. Okay, so fall of Chernobyl. Across Ukraine, at least 68 people were killed, including both soldiers and civilians, according to an AFP tally from Ukrainian official sources. Air raid sirens sounded over Kiev at the break of dawn after the city's main airport was hit and the first bombing of the city since World War II. The city declared an overnight curfew but said underground stations would remain open throughout the uh, throughout to serve as bomb shelters. Ukraine said that Russian forces had managed to capture an airfield near Kiev and that Chernobyl in northern Ukraine, site of the world's worst nuclear disaster, had fallen to Moscow's forces. Zelensky called the attack on Chernobyl a vast area that has been abandoned since the disaster because of continued high levels of radioactivity, a declaration of war on all of Europe. How and why? It's a vast area that has been abandoned since the disaster because of continued high levels of radioactivity. So how is this an important and a uh, strategic move, right? Okay, so uh, it goes on here. In the deadliest single strike reported by Ukrainian authorities, 18 people were killed at a military base near the Black Sea port of Odessa. We looked at the live cams. Okay, Ukraine's emergency services. We didn't see any kind of military buildup. We didn't see any kind of defense buildup in any of the live cams that we watched, y'all. You guys were there with us, okay? We didn't see any of that, guys. We didn't see any of that, okay? Ukraine's emergency services also said a military plane with 14 people on board crashed south of Kiev and that they were determining how many people died. Ukrainian forces said they had killed around 50 Russian occupiers while repulsing an attack on the town on the front line with Moscow-backed rebels, a toll that could not immediately be confirmed by AFP. Uh, significant economic risk in the Ukrainian village of Stargatnikniva, <laughs> near the front line, where separatists have faced off against Kiev's forces. Official Vladimir Veselikin, Veselikin, Veselikin said missiles had rained down since the morning and power was out. They are trying to wipe out the village off the face of the earth. Russia's defense ministry said it has destroyed over 70 military targets, including 11 airfields. Ukraine said Russian tanks and heavy armor crossed the border in several northern regions in the east, as well as from the Kremlin annexed peninsula of Crimea in the south. The fighting spooked global financial markets with stocks plunging and oil prices soaring past $100. IMF chief Kristalina Georgieva said the unrest carried significant economic risk for the world, but Putin insisted he did not seek to undermine the global economic system. Crime against humanity. In his televised address, Putin justified the assault as a defense of the self-proclaimed Donetsk and Luhansk republics in eastern Ukraine. The Kremlin earlier said the leaders of the two separatist territories had asked Moscow for military help against Kiev after Putin recognized their independence on Monday. A conflict between the separatists and government forces has dragged on since 2014, killing more than 14,000 people on both sides. The OSCE's acting chairman, Polish Foreign Minister Zbigniew Rau, said the invasion was a crime against humanity and later the organization said it was pulling its foreign staff from Ukraine. NATO said it had activated defense plans for allied countries, but Alliance Chiefs Jens Stoltenberg said there were no intentions to send NATO forces into Ukraine. Russia has long demanded that Ukraine be forbidden from ever joining NATO and that U.S. troops pull out from Eastern Europe. In the Baltics, Lithuania declared a national emergency and Latvia banned three Russian TV channels that were broadcasting in the country, saying they posted a threat to national security. 
Demonstrators took to the streets of European capitals to condemn Russia, but a small anti-war protest in Moscow was quickly shut down by police and monitors said over 700 people were detained. How interesting, guys. Very interesting article there. Okay, we'll talk Chernobyl in a minute. Just give me a sec. We're going to talk about neo-Nazis, okay? Since apparently there's no such thing as neo-Nazis over there and that... uh, Uh, Putin is just lying about that. Okay, let me see what else we got up here. Oh, you know what I wanted to do now that I remembered what I wanted to do? Uh, I wanted to, uh, let's review what Putin had to say, okay? Let's review what Putin had to say. Hold on, I want to uh, find what Putin had to say first. I have his article here somewhere. Not that one, not that one. Is it here? I don't think it's here. Hey, it's Putin. Okay, all right. Where else? What else do we got here? Um, this is from earlier today. Our first show. Okay, I think I found it, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, we'll have something in the background for you guys um, while I read it. Let's see. Let's go to... Do we, have, we already have France Live, I think. That is NBC. That is France 24. Oh, let's see what DW got's going on. Oh, I was like, there. oh, these people have been talking since like two this afternoon. This is probably a replay. I already watched this. Okay, so uh, let's see. Do we have ABC News up? ABC, France, NBC, RT, ABC. We got them all. We got all the all the lives up right now. How about we? Oh, it's Putin. Okay. <laughs> all right, Putin. Hold that pose, sir. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna read your words. All right, guys. Let's see what Putin had to say. And <sighs> come on. Okay. This is gonna be a fun episode to edit. Okay. I can tell you guys that much. Let's see here. We'll do this. Oh, look at they have the United Nations live right now. Oh, what are these guys doing over there? UN Summit on Biodiversity. Okay, we're not looking for that right now. We're not trying to get biodiverse right now. Okay. Uh, let's see. EarthCam, Times Square in New York. Hey, we can go to EarthCam, right? Okay. I guess they don't, that's, they only have two live streams up right now. Okay, never mind you, EarthCam. Now we took a look at that. We took a look at the live cams over there and there was nothing going on. What the heck, right? Okay, in vivo. What's this? Oh, here's Lviv. Here's the Lviv Earth Cam guys. These guys got bombed according to uh, according to that news report we watched. Okay, they got they got missiles today. Lviv in Ukraine. I know I'm not saying that name right, but uh, it's L V I V. Ukraine. They got they got bombed today. All right. They got attacked. It's currently 7:40 a.m. over there. All right. And they are under a full-scale assault. All right. Full-scale assault, okay? All right. We'll let this play while I uh read the words of Putin. Okay, so we're going to read the words of Putin and then we're going to jump into the chat rooms, okay, guys? All right. So, uh do you want me to I could pull up the I could pull up the words actually. I don't know why I'm not doing that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's my second broadcast of the day. All right. My, my brain's a little wonky. Okay. Here we go, guys. 
Uh, Putin authorizes special military operation in Donbass, vows immediate response to external threats. This is from Sputnik News. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we can we can read what the article says. It says Russian President Vladimir Putin has addressed the nation early Thursday, directing Russian forces to conduct uh, to conduct a special operation in the Donbass region to protect people who have been facing genocide perpetrated by the Kiev government for eight years now. Read the full text of his speech. Here it goes right here. Dear citizens of Russia, friends, I consider it necessary today to speak again about the tragic events in Donbass and the key aspects of ensuring the security of Russia. I will begin with what I said in my address on February 21, 2022. I spoke about our biggest concerns and worries and about the fundamental threats which irresponsible Western politicians created for Russia consistently, rudely, and unceremoniously from year to year. I am referring to the eastward expansion of NATO, which is moving its military infrastructure ever closer to the Russian border. It is a fact that over the past 30 years, we have been patiently trying to come to an agreement with the leading NATO countries regarding the principles of equal and indivisible security in Europe. In response to our proposals, we invariably faced either cynical deception and lies or attempts at pressure and blackmail, while the North Atlantic Alliance continued to expand despite our protests and concerns. Its military machine is moving and, as I said, is approaching our very border. Why is this happening? Where did this insolent manner of talking down from the height of their exceptionalism, infallibility, and all permissiveness come from? What is the explanation for this contemptuous and disdainful attitude to our interests and absolutely legitimate demands? The answer is simple. Everything is clear and obvious. In the late 1980s, the Soviet Union grew weaker and subsequently broke apart. That experience should serve as a good lesson for us because it has shown us that the par paralysis of power and will is the first step towards complete degradation and oblivion. We lost confidence for only one moment, but it was enough to disrupt the balance of forces in the world. As a result, the old treaties and agreements are no longer effective. Entreaties and requests do not help. Anything that does not suit the dominant state, the powers that be, is denounced as archaic, obsolete, and useless. At the same time, everything it regards as useful is presented as the ultimate truth and forced on others regardless of the cost, abusively, and by any means available. Those who refuse to comply are subjected to strong-arm tactics, tactics. Of course, practice international relations and the rules regulating them had to take into account the changes that took place in the world and in the balance of forces. However, this should have been done professionally, smoothly, patiently, and with due regard and respect for the interests of all states and one's own responsibility. Instead, we saw a state of euphoria created by the feeling of absolute superiority, a kind of modern absolutism, coupled with the low cultural standards and arrogance of those who formulated and pushed through decisions that suited only themselves. The situation took a different turn. Then came the turn of Iraq, Libya, and Syria. The illegal use of military power against Libya and the distortion of all the UN Security Council decisions on Libya ruined the state, created a huge seat of international terrorism, and pushed the country towards a humanitarian catastrophe into the vortex of a civil war which has continued there for years. The tragedy, which was created for hundreds of thousands and even millions of people not only in Libya but in the whole region, has led to a large-scale exodus from the Middle East and North African Africa to Europe.
A similar fate was also prepared for Syria. The combat operations conducted by the Western coalition in that country without the Syrian government's approval or UN Security Council sanctions can only be defined as aggression and intervention. But the example that stands apart from uh, the above events is, of course, the invasion of Iraq without any legal grounds. They used the pretext of allegedly reliable information available in the United States about the presence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. To prove that allegation, the U.S. Secretary of State held up a vial of, with white powder publicly for the whole world to see, assuring the international community that it was a chemical warfare agent created in Iraq. It later turned out that all of that was fake and a sham, and that Iraq did not have any chemical weapons. Incredible and shocking, but true. We witnessed lies made at the highest state level and voiced from the high UN rostrum. As a result, we see a tremendous loss in human life, damage, destruction, and a colossal upsurge of terrorism. Overall, it appears that nearly everywhere in many regions of the world where the United States brought its law and order, this created bloody, non-healing wounds and the curse of international terrorism and extremism. I have only mentioned the most glaring but far from only examples of disregard for international law. This array includes promises not to expand NATO eastwards even by an inch, to reiterate they have deceived us or, to put it simply, they have played us. Sure, one often hears that politics is a dirty business. It could be, but it should not be a dirty business as it is now, not to such an extent. This type of con artist behavior is contrary, not only to the principles of international relations, but also and above all to the generally accepted norms of morality and ethics. Where is justice and truth here? Just lies and hypocrisy all around. Incidentally, U.S. politicians, political scientists, and journalists write and say that a veritable empire of lies has been created inside the United States in recent years. It is hard to disagree with this. It really is so. But one should not be modest about it. The United States is still a great country and a system-forming power. All its satellites not only humbly and obediently say yes to and parrot it at the slightest pretext, but also imitate, uh, imitate its behavior and enthusiastically accept the rules it is offering them. Therefore, one can say with good reason and confidence that the whole so-called Western bloc formed by the United States in its own image and likeness is, in its entirety, the very same empire of lies. As for our country, after the disintegration of the USSR, given the entire unprecedented openness of the new modern Russia, its readiness to work honestly with the United States and other Western partners, and its practically unilateral disarmament, they immediately tried to put the final squeeze on us, finish us off, and utterly destroy us. This is how it was in the 1990s and the early 2000s when the so-called collective West was actively supporting separatism and gangs of mercenaries in southern Russia. What victims, what losses we had to sustain, and what trials we had to go through at the time before we broke the back of international terrorism in the Caucasus. We remember this and will never forget. Properly speaking, the attempts to use us in their own interests never ceased until quite recently. They sought to destroy our traditional values and force us off 
force on us their their false values that would erode us, our people from within, the attitudes they have been aggressively imposing on their countries, attitudes that are directly leading to degradation and degeneration because they are contrary to human nature. This is not going to happen. No one has ever succeeded in doing this, nor will they succeed now. Despite all that, in December 2021, we made yet another attempt to reach agreement with the United States and its allies on the principles of European security and NATO's non-expansion. Our efforts were in vain. The United States has not changed its position. It does not believe it necessary to agree with Russia on a matter that is critical for us. The United States is pursuing its own objectives while neglecting our interests. Of course, this situation begs a question. What next? What are we to expect? If history is any guide, we know that in 1940 and early 1941, the Soviet Union went to great lengths to prevent war or at least delay its outbreak. To this end, the USSR sought not to provoke the potential aggressor until the very end by refraining or postponing the most urgent and obvious preparations it had to make to defend itself from an imminent attack. When it finally acted, it was too late. As a result, the country was not prepared to counter the invasion by Nazi Germany, which attacked our motherland on June 22, 1941, without declaring war. The country stopped the enemy and went on to defeat it, but this came at a tremendous cost. The attempt to appease the aggressor ahead of the Great Patriotic War proved to be a mistake, which came at a high cost for our people. In the first months after the hostilities broke out, we lost vast territories of strategic importance, as well as millions of lives. We will not make this mistake the second time. We have no right to do so. Those who aspire to global dominance have publicly designated Russia as their enemy. They did so with impunity. Make no mistake, they had no reason to act this way. It is true that they have considerable financial, scientific, technological, and military capabilities. We are aware of this and have an objective to counter, have an objective view of the economic threats we have been hearing, just as our ability to counter this brash and never-ending blackmail. Let me reiterate that we have no illusions in this regard and are extremely realistic in our assessments. As for military affairs, even after the dissolution of the USSR and losing a considerable part of its capabilities, today's Russia remains one of the most powerful nuclear states. Moreover, it has a certain advantage in several cutting-edge weapons. In this context, there should be no doubt for anyone that any potential aggressor will face defeat and ominous consequences should it directly attack our country. At the same time, technology, including in the defense sector, is changing rapidly. One day there is one leader and tomorrow another, but a military presence in territories bordering on Russia, if we permit it to go ahead, will stay for decades to come or maybe forever, creating ever-mounting and totally unacceptable threat for Russia. Even now, with NATO's eastward expansion, the situation for Russia has been becoming worse and more dangerous by the year. Moreover, these past days, NATO leadership has been blunt in its statements that they need to accelerate and step up efforts to bring the alliance's infrastructures closer to Russia's borders. In other words, they have been toughening their position. We cannot stay idle and passively observe these developments. This would be an absolute irresponsible, absolutely irresponsible thing for us to do. Any further expansion of the North Atlantic Alliance's infrastructure or the ongoing efforts to gain a military foothold of the Ukrainian territory are unacceptable for us. Of course, 
The question is not about NATO itself. It merely serves as a tool of U.S. foreign policy. The problem is that in territories adjacent to Russia, which I have to note is our historical land, a hostile anti-Russia is taking shape. Fully controlled from the outside, it is doing everything to attract NATO armed forces and obtain cutting-edge weapons. For the United States and its allies, it is a policy of containing Russia, with obvious geopolitical dividends. For our country, it is a matter of life and death, a matter of our historical future as a nation. This is not an exaggeration. This is a fact. It is not only a very real threat to our interests, but to the very existence of our state and to its sovereignty. It is the red line which we have spoken about on numerous occasions. They have crossed it. This brings me to the situation in Donbass. We can see that the forces that staged the coup in Ukraine in 2014 have seized power, are keeping it with the help of ornamental election procedures, and have abandoned the path of peaceful conflict settlement. As I said in my previous address, you cannot look without compassion at what is happening there. It became impossible to tolerate it. We had to stop that atrocity, that genocide of the millions of people who lived there and who pinned their hopes on Russia, on all of us. It is their aspirations, the feelings and pain of these people that were the main motivating force behind our decision to recognize the independence of the Donbass People's Republics. I would like to additionally emphasize the following. Focused on their own goals, the leading NATO countries are supporting the far-right nationalists and the neo-Nazis in Ukraine, those who will never forgive the people of Crimea and Sevastopol for freely making a choice to reunite with Russia. They will undoubtedly try to bring war to Crimea just as they have done in Donbass to kill innocent people just as members of the punitive units of Ukrainian nationalists and Hitler's accomplices during the Great, during the great Patriotic War. They have also openly laid claim to several other Russian regions. I have already said that Russia accepted the new geopolitical reality after the dissolution of the USSR. We have been treating all new post-Soviet states with respect and will continue to act this way. We respect and will respect their sovereignty, as proven by the assistance we provided to Kazakhstan when, uh, when it faced tragic events and a challenge in terms of its statehood and integrity. However, Russia cannot feel safe develop and exist while facing a permanent threat from the ter territory of today's Ukraine. Let me remind you that in 2000 to 2005, we used our military to push back against terrorist terrorists in the Caucasus and stood up for the integrity of our state. We preserved Russia. In 2014, we supported the people of Crimea and Sevastopol. In 2015, we used our armed forces to create a reliable shield that prevented terrorists from Syria from penetrating Russia. This was a matter of defending ourselves. We had no other choice. In this context, in accordance with Article 51, Chapter 7 of the UN Charter, with permission of Russia's Federation Council, and in execution of the treaties of friendship and mutual assistance with the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic, ratified by the Federal Assembly on February 22nd, I made a decision to carry out a special military operation. It is not our plan to occupy the Ukrainian territory. We do not intend to impose anything on anyone by force. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you. 
the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm/the C report. And thanks y'all. At the same time, we have been hearing an increasing number of statements coming from the West that there is no need anymore to abide by the documents setting forth the outcomes of World War II as signed by the totalitarian Soviet regime. How can we respond to that? That outcomes of World War II and the sacrifices our people had to make to defeat Nazism are sacred. This does not contradict the high values of human rights and freedoms and the reality that emerged over the post-war decades. This does not mean that nations cannot enjoy the right to self-determination, which is enshrined in Article 1 of the UN Charter. Let me remind you that the people living in territories which are part of today's Ukraine were not asked how they want to build their lives when the USSR was created or after World War II. Freedom guides our policy, the freedom to choose independently our future and the future of our children. We believe that all the people living in today's Ukraine, anyone who anyone who wants to do this, must be able to enjoy this right to make a free choice. In this context, I would like to address the citizens of Ukraine. In 2014, Russia was obliged to protect the people of Crimea and Sevastopol from those who you yourself called Nats. The people of Crimea and Sevastopol made their choice in favor of being with their historical homeland, Russia, and we supported their choice. As I said, we could not act otherwise. The current events have nothing to do with a desire to infringe on the interests of Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. They are connected with the defending Russian, de- with the defending Russia from those who have taken Ukraine hostage and are trying to use it against our country and our people. I reiterate. We are acting to defend ourselves from the threats created for us and from a worse peril than what is happening now. I am asking you, however hard this may be, to understand this and to work together with us as to turn this tragic page as soon as possible and to move forward together without allowing anyone to interfere in our affairs and our relations but developing them independently so as to create favorable conditions for overcoming all these problems and to strengthen us from within as a single whole despite the existence of state borders. I believe in this, in our common future. I would also like to address the military personnel of the Ukrainian armed forces, Comrade officers, your fathers, grandfathers, and great-grandfathers did not fight the Nazi occupiers and did not defend our common motherland to allow today's neo-Nazis to seize power in Ukraine. You swore the oath of allegiance to the Ukrainian people and not to the junta, the people's adversary which is plundering Ukraine and humiliating Ukrainian people. I urge you to refuse to carry out their criminal orders. I urge you to immediately lay down arms and go home. I will explain what this means. 
The military personnel of the Ukrainian army who do this will be able to freely leave the zone of hostilities and return to their families. I would now like to say something very important for those who may be tempted to interfere in these developments from the outside. No matter who tries to stand in our way, or all the more so create threats for our country and our people, they must know that Russia will respond immediately, and the consequences will be such as you have never seen in your entire history. No matter how the events unfold, we are ready. All the necessary decisions in this regard have been taken. I hope that my words will be heard. Citizens of Russia, the culture and values, experience and traditions of our ancestors invariably provided a powerful underpinning for the well-being and the very existence of entire states and nations, their success and viability. Of course, this directly depends on the ability to quickly adapt to constant change, maintain social cohesion and readiness to consolidate and summon all the available forces in order to move forward. We always need to be strong, but this strength can take on different forms. The empire of lies, which I mentioned in the beginning of my speech, proceeds in its policy primarily from rough, direct force. This is when our staying on being all brawn and no brains applies. We all know that having justice and truth on our side is what makes us truly strong. If this is the case, it would be hard to disagree with the fact that it is our strength and our readiness to fight that are the bedrock of independence and sovereignty and provide the necessary foundation for building a reliable future for your home, your family, and your motherland. Dear compatriots, I am certain that devoted soldiers and officers of Russia's armed forces will perform their duty with professionalism and courage. I have no doubt that the government institutions at all levels and specialists will work effectively to guarantee the stability of our economy, financial system, and social well-being, and the same applies to corporate executives and the entire business community. I hope that all parliamentary parties and civil society take a consolidated patriotic position. At the end of the day, the future of Russia is in the hands of its multi-ethnic people, as has always been the case in our history. This means that the decisions that I made will be executed, that we will achieve the goals we have set, and reliably guarantee the security of our motherland. I believe in your support and the invisible force rooted in the love for our fatherland. Okay. Wow. Wow. Wowzers, ladies and gentlemen. Wowzers. Okay, so... Now, you guys probably didn't hear this speech anywhere else, right? All we got was, uh, you know, uh, look out and beware. We will defend. We will attack. We are prepared, whatever, right? That's all we heard. Talk about soundbiting, right? All this context. He totally told the entire world. He ratted out the deep state to the world. The deep state already, I mean, the world already knew about the deep state, the globalists, all that stuff. But, uh, whoo. Yeah, that was uh, something else, guys. That is, that's the speech he gave this morning before he began his military operation. So we'll just see, ladies and gentlemen, how this plays out. How what we're seeing on TV and what they're feeding us plays out to what he said. Because guess what? What if Putin ends his military operations by tomorrow? And where's this deep scale invasion? Do you know how bad... The deep state department, NATO, and the mainstream media are going to look when they've been on the air for 24 hours plus now 
talking. Well, I guess it's not even been 24 hours, right? It hasn't been 24 hours. It's, it's going, we're going on what, 12, 13, 14 hours that they've been on the air talking about this full scale invasion that Russia's doing. Like the deep staters need to make a really big move before sunrise America time, right? Because while we're sleeping, guys, they're going to come dream up of something, right? So that when we wake up in the morning, they're like, oh, it's been like, they'll, they'll probably feign like a nuclear explosion or something like that. Like they dropped an A-bomb. I don't know what they're going to do, but they have to come up with something before the sun rises in America. Like they have to come up with something before the sun rises in America. Are they going to do it? Probably not. I doubt it. And there we go. Here's Lviv. These guys were bombed and sacked yesterday, according to the mainstream media. Okay? <laughs> this place is under fire. Now, imagine this. Maybe the reason why, as we were going through all of these live cams, guys, maybe the reason why, as we were going through all these live cams, we don't see any Ukraine military. We don't see any defensive positions. We don't see soldiers and tanks on the streets ready to defend their people. Maybe it's because they took Russia up on their word and said, you know what? We're not going to go. We're not going to fight you, Russia, because you're here to take out the Nazis. What Nazis? This guy's crazy, right? This guy's crazy over there in Russia. Okay. All right. We talked about the Nazis in Ukraine on Monday. We talked about the Nazis in Ukraine last week. Okay. We've been following this for weeks, guys. All right. You know, we're not just doing a, an extravaganza here all of a sudden at the 11th hour. Okay. Go back like 20 episodes. We've been covering this. Okay. This is why we haven't been covering the Canada thing. This is why we haven't been covering COVID because we're busy talking about election fraud, election integrity, and debunking this Ukraine story. Like this is what we've been doing at the Sea Report for about three or four weeks. Okay. So if you've never been to the show, Welcome. All right. Okay. Let me, uh, let me jump into chat room real quick. Okay. I'm going to jump into chat. I wonder what you guys are up to. Let me see what you guys is up to. We got here. Uh, we've been told that for decades says MacGyver. I was, uh, at the live cams when the, when, uh, went to Mockingbird media was claiming explosions in Kiev, but I heard nor saw no such thing. Right. Okay. Nothing, nothing. Okay, I believe you guys, because I know you guys know what you're talking about. Everyone here on chat, look into Elite Shungite, please. Yes, we will. I, I remember you talking about that, WC Crane Op, like a few months ago. Uh, we've been told for decades Chernobyl was dead. Pull up a, sa uh, a satellite map on Chernobyl. Ho, 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 ho. We're going to do it. Okay. Live cams tell a different story, says Crane Op. No one could live near the silos there. They were kept guarded for years around a circumference. Um, let's see here. Two rivers. Live. Reuters. News. Live. Live. Russian ambassador holds news conference in Tokyo. Oh, that was what? At 11.53. It's only been 10 minutes. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll mosey on that way. What does Shunda... Okay, let me mosey on that way. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, you said Russian ambassador live in... Blinken says Putin has his sights on country. What does Blinken say? Blinken better not blink because this, this military operation is going to be over before he even wakes up in the morning. Oh, Blinken says Putin has his sights set on countries beyond Ukraine. Right. Okay. Okay. And so R America and their people are going to go and attack them and say it's Russia. Okay. Like, I just, I can't with this guy. Uh, ambassador live in, you said Japan? It's only been it's only been 13 minutes since you said that. So let's see if we got live Russian ambassador to Japan. 
An hour and three minutes. Okay. Let's see. Let's see, guys. You guys just take this in with me, okay? Is it in English? Uh, situation. Uh, so uh, we will start with his uh, introduction, and then, as usually, we will start Q&A from the floor and from online uh, colleagues who are following in online. Thank you very much. Please check again uh, your uh, <coughs> mobiles, put it in silent uh, or turn it off. Thank you very much. Ambassador, it's your turn. Uh, good afternoon, dear Pio. Good afternoon, dear members of uh, the FCCG. It is a great honor for me to speak here today, exactly as Pio have just mentioned, the second second time within a month. Uh, and I'm very grateful to, grateful to you for your interest, for your readiness to uh, listen to uh, our position our arguments with regard to the current situation. Uh, yesterday, uh, Russia, in accordance with the decision of President Vladimir Putin, launched a special military operation. Uh, and the main purpose of this uh, operation is to uh, protect people of Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics who for 80 years have been facing humi humiliation and genocide perpetrated by the Kiev regime. By the way, uh, this uh, genocide and this humiliation have been completely ignored uh, by the United States, by the NATO member states, by the Western states, uh, who are now trying to sharply criticize Russia. We will seek to demilitarize and denazify uh, Ukraine. It is not by accident that I have, regretfully I have to mention this word, to denazify uh, Ukraine, because uh, unfortunately uh, uh, the Nazification of uh, this country uh, has gone very far. And it is very demonstrative that uh, every year Ukraine, along with the United States of America, is voting in the UN uh, General Assembly against a resolution deploring glorification of Nazism, a resolution presented by Russia and like-minded sta like, like states. Now in Ukraine, unfortunately, they glorify not the heroes, who liberated uh, Europe from Nazism, uh, but Nazis collaborationists. Well, and uh, we also seek to bring, on, bring to trial those who perpetrated numerous bloody crimes against civilians, including against the citizens of Russia. But it is not our plan to occupy the Ukrainian territory. We are acting also to defend uh, Russia from the threats to our national security, coming from NATO's expansion to the Russian borders and military exploration of, the neighbor, of neighboring Ukraine to gain a military foothold on its territory. The problem is uh, that uh, in territories close to Russia, a hostile anti-Russia was taking shape. 
More to these, recently the Kyiv regime started hinting at a uh, possibility of obtaining nuclear weapons in cruel violation of the NPT. We act in accordance with the Article 55, 51 of uh, the United Nations Charter with the permission of Russia's Federation Council, the upper house of our parliament, and in execution of the treaties uh, of friendship and mutual assistance with Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republic, Republics. <coughs> I'd like to, uh, at the same time, I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that within all these recent decades, Russia has been trying to settle all the problems by political and diplomatic means. We reminded our counterparts on the necessity uh, to observe the principle of indivisibility of security endorsed uh, in the OSCE uh, on the top uh, level back in 1999 in Istanbul Declaration, Istanbul Charter for European Security. Uh, this principle, uh, the principle uh, of the indivisibility of security, stipulates that no country should ensure its security at the expense of security of other states. Again, uh, this principle was confirmed on the top level within the OECE with the participation of all the NATO member states, Russia, Ukraine, etc. Uh, we presented to the United States and uh, the NATO several fundamental proposals on uh, ensuring European security, uh, on uh, uh, legally binding guarantees of security in Europe. Regretfully, these proposals were ignored. Our repeated messages to Kyiv and its Western handlers about the need to stop the violence and genocide in, Don in Donbass and to implement the Minsk package of uh, measures have fallen on deaf ears. Because for them, the people of Ukraine and the people of Donetsk and Lugansk are just bargaining cheap. Even after Russia recognized the independence of these republics, the shelling on their soil by the Ukrainian armed forces not only didn't stop, but even intensified. Given these circumstances, a decision, a forced decision as President Putin uh, underscored yesterday, was made to conduct a special military operation designed to stop the tragedy in Ukraine, which began after an illegal regime change in Kyiv as a result of a violent coup in February 2014. At the same time, we hope that there is still a chance to return to international law and international commitments. As we take measures announced by the, presidents, the president to ensure the security uh, of our country and of the Russian people, we will always, always be ready to, for dialogue uh, that will return us to justice and to the principles of the UN Charter. The basis of our policy is not to damage the interests of Ukrainian people, 
It is to defend the Russian citizens and our country itself from those who took Ukraine as a hostage and tried to use it against us. Again, no occupation will be conducted. The future of Ukraine shall be decided by the Ukrainian, uh, by the Ukrainian people. Actually, uh, that is all what I wanted uh, to uh, tell you in my opening remarks. So I'm ready for your questions. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Ambassador. <clears throat> Allow me to start this uh, question and answer and uh, warm up a little bit uh, the debate here. Uh, as I said, we had the Ukrainian ambassador a couple of hours ago, mm -hmm. and he insisted uh, very much on a point that I think everybody uh, understood very well, that uh, one thing is to intervene in Donbass mm -hmm. to protect uh, the citizens of uh, the Russian citizens, the Russian people, and another thing is to uh, bomb other part of Ukraine. What is your comment on that? As I told you, uh, there are two purposes of uh, uh, sp the special military operation we launched yesterday. First is to uh, protect uh, the uh, citizens of Donetsk and Lugansk uh, People's Republics who have been suffering from uh, apparent and cruel genocide uh, from uh, uh, conducted by the uh, Kiev regime, uh, the genocide uh, that was completely ignored, uh, if not endorsed, uh, by uh, the Western countries uh, who were pursuing their own uh, their own political and military interests uh, with regard uh, to Russia. Uh, the second the second part of the, the second purpose the second task is to uh, ensure the security interests of Russia, uh, which have been uh, damaged greatly uh, by the uh, expansion of uh, NATO, of the NATO in military infrastructure and a uh, number of the member states of uh, NATO uh, within the recent uh, 30 years. And uh, uh, within the same 30 years, we have made uh, many attempts to uh, settle these issues on a mutually acceptable basis uh, and uh, have uh, uh, presented uh, a lot of initiatives uh, to, to uh, reach this goal. Uh, and at the same time, as one of the co-sponsors of uh, the Minsk agreements, we were uh, trying actively to persuade uh, the Kiev uh, government to uh, implement, to realize, uh, to carry out the, uh, <clears throat> uh, it, its ob obligations in accordance with the Minsk agreements. Uh, unfortunately, all of these efforts were uh, either rejected or ignored by uh, our counterparts. So, uh, and uh, from that point of view, uh, we, uh, in these circumstances, we uh, launched the yesterday's operation, and uh, well, we are doing uh, things uh, in a military area, uh, things we find necessary to reach the goals of the operation. 
Uh, I would like to draw your attention to the fact that uh, unlike uh, the uh, Ukrainian government armed forces uh, in uh, Donetsk and Lugansk uh, republics, or we do not uh, conduct any uh, military actions, any bomba bombardments, etc., against the uh, Ukrainian uh, cities. Uh, so uh, the uh, operation does not direct it against the Ukrainian people. Uh... Now, uh, that was a pretty, pretty short opening statement, but uh, saying everything that basically we read in Putin's statement in regards to uh, the Nazis, okay, and uh, what their military operation is there. Now, honestly, I will probably watch this, if not live stream it at some point in Toto. Uh, just to see what new uh, modicums of information that we can get from his engagement. So uh, thank you for that, Mr. Uh, Two Rivers, for letting us know. Okay, the night is getting long. So what I want to do is just crack into this Nazi article before we get going. Now, here's the other thing is the genocide, right? Because we had Antony Blinken telling the United Nations uh, that uh, Putin's going to talk about genocide. And he's going to use this as a pretext for invasion. Okay, so one has to, uh, one has to wonder, why would he say that? Well, as it turns out, back in 2008 with South Ossetia and Georgia, that Putin declared there was genocide going on there. Now, some people think that Putin invaded Georgia, you know, and the war with Georgia, it was Putin invading, you know, for whatever reason they think, I don't know. My understanding is that they were there as peacekeepers initially, and it was because there was a genocide of South Ossetians by the country of Georgia, okay? That's my understanding. And they were preserving South Ossetia. South Ossetia wanted to, um, they wanted to become sovereign, independent from Georgia. Georgia didn't want to let them go. South Ossetians were being killed in mass. Um, and I have a whole bunch of articles on this, guys. So I don't know, maybe some people just don't do research. I don't know. But the, that's my understanding of it. Dig for yourself. You know, if uh, you think what you know, what was going on in Georgia and South Ossetia, even during the Putin interviews that we watched here at the Sea Report, we had watch parties for that docuseries. It was like four parts long. You know, that opened up my eyes just thinking like, well, you know, it's quite possible that uh, it wasn't Russia invading Georgia to try and take South Ossetia. Like, that's not that's what we were told. That's what the spin was. But then if you actually look and dig into it, like, don't get me wrong, there's conflicting stories, right? That there was no such thing as a genocide of the South Ossetians, that it's been fact check. We could not find mass graves, right? But there were actually way more articles to support the genocide in South Ossetia than there were articles to debunk it. And these were coming from all around the globe, not just from Western-backed news agencies, I might add. So go and do your homework, okay? Like, you know, I mean, if you, if you, if you just go off headlines, you're not always going to get the full story. You got to dig a little bit, okay? 
you know, even if you have military experience, I'm sorry to say you don't always get the full picture. I don't. I have no military experience. And that's why sometimes I refrain from talking about these matters. But, you know, I dig and I look around at things. And so I feel comfortable with these assessments. Anyways, I've been on the trail of... It doesn't matter. Okay, so that's besides the point. Let's talk about the neo-Nazis, guys. We've already talked about the neo-Nazis here at the Sea Report for the last few weeks and how that they were being uh, used by the Obama administration to do this regime change and coup. And then in the last couple of days, we've been talking about how the Ukrainian government is employing neo-Nazis to assist in the Donbass region, which makes no sense. Why would not Ukraine use its own military to defend its sovereignty? Why would they hire proxy neo-Nazi armies? That makes no sense unless the people who are behind these proxy neo-Nazi armies are globalists, not Ukraine itself. That's the only thing that I think would make sense of that. But now... We have Putin releasing this statement about denazifying uh, Ukraine and Russia and chasing the Nazis out. And you have the mainstream media calling him crazy, calling him a Looney Tunes, saying he's just a mad rabid dictator and he's trying to invade and occupy Ukraine and take it back under its command because there's no such thing as Nazis and the Ukraine government is not made up of Nazis. Well, Zelensky, I don't believe, I don't think he's a Nazi, you know, I don't think that any of the Ukrainian government that are actually trying to do the right thing, they're actually trying to bring stability to their region, they're actually trying to be a sovereign and productive country, independent, I don't think any of those people are Nazis, but we do know, we have historical record and receipts that the Western-backed globalists, the interests of them, did bring in Nazis. We showed you their photos, okay? We showed you their photos. We got different statements. We had independent corroboration that this was a fact. Let's see what this article has to say. Neo-Nazi active in Ukraine as White House adds 3,000 troops. Let me get a date on this thing so we can have some historical date-driven context. So this is actually from February 3rd. This is from February 3rd, 2022, guys. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, neo-Nazis active in Ukraine as White House adds 3,000 troops. And I guess this would be them. Now it says there's an increasingly surreal air regarding the war scare over Ukraine. The original roles in the drama seem to be reversed. Back in December, Ukrainian Foreign Minister Oletsky Reziknov was warning that not provoking Russia, that strategy does not and will not work, claiming that Russia invaded Georgia in 2008 because NATO had not let it join. In fact, Georgia began that war by attacking South Ossetia, driving tens of thousands of Russian-speaking residents there to flee across the border into Russia creating an unprecedented refugee crisis for that country. These details, however, rarely trouble Western pol politicians or journalists. In December, the United States seemed much more reluctant to ex escalate matters. President Joe Biden said he would not deploy troops to Ukraine and ruled out a military response to any Russian incursion. The same mood music emanated from Westminster, where UK Defense Secretary Ben Wallace said that British troops would not fight Russia over Ukraine, as the latter was not a NATO member. 
if Russia did act against Ukraine, and we should remember that it has not at any point threatened to, the United States and the European Union response would be sanctions. As of last weekend, Reznikov was assuring members of the Ukrainian parliament that actually no Russian military maneuvers had been observed, that there was nothing more threatening happening than what was going on a year ago, and that there was no reason to fear an imminent attack. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky gave an even blunter press conference following a phone call with Biden, calling on the U.S. and Britain to tone down their rhetoric about an invasion, since it could create panic and was bad for business. Asked about the U.S.'s claim that Russia might invade next month, he snapped that, as Ukraine's head of government, he knew the situation better than Biden. He even cast doubt on the idea that Russia's military buildup necessarily had anything to do with Ukraine, saying we had no way of knowing it wasn't a routine troop rotation. We know, of course, that what really worries the Russians is what the U.S. and NATO have been doing ever since the demise of the Soviet Union. They have been moving Western troops and armaments into one Eastern European country after another until now that troops and even offensive missiles are aimed at Russia from places right along the country's border. But did Washington and London heed Zelensky's pleas? Did, they didn't even acknowledge them. Biden has ordered the deployment of 3,000 extra troops to Europe, where the U.S. already has tens of thousands of troops, and NATO has forward bases in Poland and all three of the Baltic states. All of this is in violation of promises made by the United States at the end of the Cold War that NATO would not make any moves to the east. Among the troops Biden is sending are 1,000 to Romania, where the U.S. has offensive cruise missiles pointing at Russia. Controls on U.S. placement of such offensive weapons were lifted in 2019 when the Trump administration unilaterally canceled the INF missile treaty with Russia. Adding to the provo provocative announcement by Biden regarding 3,000 new troops, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson pledged land, sea, and air forces would be sent to Eastern Europe to see off the Russian menace. The more Ukraine insisted last week that it is not afraid that war is coming, the louder the U.S. and Britain declared their readiness to fight one. The same buildup of war hysteria can be seen in how the U.S. and NATO have handled announcements regarding alleged findings by U.S. and Western intelligence. Now, I'm going to break right there just to say that I think then maybe the reason why they kept saying that there was going to be a Russian invasion is because they knew Putin was going to go in and take out their deep state globalist power centers in Ukraine. I mean, that's got to be one of the only other explanations, guys. And, uh, well, I don't know if anyone else is singing this song, but uh, if they're not, <clears throat> and they are tomorrow... <laughs> First, we heard that the Russians had massed 100,000 troops on Ukraine's borders, and for weeks, satellite photos of the same rows of snow-covered tanks were fed to the Western media to verify these reports. An invasion is imminent, we were told. Soon feeding the press the same old photos was not enough. When the invasion did not happen, the New York Times said that it had word from sources in the Pentagon that the number of troops had to reach 175,000 or more before an invasion began. This information supposedly came from Western intelligence sources. By announcing the supposedly secret plans by Russia to send more troops before any invasion, 
but never quite seeing the 175,000 or more level actually being reached. There was room now for stretching out the timing of the alleged imminent invasion. Several weeks later, again to hype up the expectation of imminent invasion, which still had not arrived, we weren't up to 175,000 yet. We heard that we could expect a false flag attack, whereby Russia would stage an attack on itself in order to justify an imminent invasion. When again, the false flag attack triggering the imminent invasion also did not happen, there emerged a new story that there was a plan to install a pro-Russian government in the power in Kiev. In Kiev. That report supposedly was passed to the Pentagon by British intelligence. The only time a pro-Russian government assumed power in Kiev since the demise of the USSR was when the Ukrainian people elected such a government themselves and that government in 2014 after it rebuffed IMF austerity demands that should be imposed on the Ukrainian people was overthrown in a fascist coup backed by the United States. Nevertheless, no pro-Russian government has been installed in Kiev since the announcement weeks ago by the West that Russia had such a puppet plot. Now, another version of the false flag story is circulating. At midday Thursday, news broke that the U.S. had acquired intelligence that Russia was planning to stage and film a fake attack by Ukrainian forces either on Russian territory or Russian-speaking people in eastern Ukraine. According to the Times, it would have been a production worthy of Hollywood. The video was intended to be elaborate, officials said, with plans for graphic images of the staged, corpse-strewn aftermath of an explosion and footage of destroyed locations. They said the video was also set to include fake Ukrainian military equipment, Turkish-made drones, and actors playing Russian-speaking mourners. You guys remember? We watched that. We watched that press conference, the one with Ned Price up there, who's like, we have the evidence and the uh, journalist, uh, the, uh, what, what do we call him? He was the, uh, the tenured journalist was like, your proof is just that you said it's going to happen or what? <laughs> that was some good stuff. All right. In making the alleged scheme public, the U.S. declared it hoped to spoil the Kremlin's plan. U.S. officials, of course, released no direct evidence of their allegation and declined to name the source of their supposed discovery. One thing about all these provocative announcements about intelligence findings that requires very little intelligence to figure out, however, is that each one of these so-called revelations is part of a bigger strategy on the part of the West. Unfortunately, it is exactly the strategy one would use to spur the Russians into taking an action that would justify imposing strong sanctions. On Wednesday, former U.S. Ambassador William Taylor called for sanctions, such sanctions immediately, saying the United States should not wait for any actual invasion. He said also, he also supported Biden sending in troops now rather than waiting for any Russian moves. Most ominous regarding in Biden's troops buildup, however, is the fact that his decision followed a speech by Putin in which the Russian leader notably did not even repeat his prior demands in that in order to end the crisis, the U.S. and NATO had to remove all their troops from former member nations of the Warsaw Pact. Putin also did not repeat earlier demands that all U.S. nuclear weapons be removed from Europe, including and especially the nuclear missiles the U.S. has in Germany. Omission of these demands by Putin 
should have been taken as a point from which negotiations could proceed, not as they were, as a point from which the U.S. escalates war tensions even more. War, whether anyone wants it or not. Could all of this mean that they were perhaps dealing only with a shadow boxing match? Russia deploys troops near its western border and conducts exercises with Belarus to lend weight to security demands it put to the U.S., such a mutual commitment not to station nuclear warheads outside their own territory. The U.S., meanwhile, ramps up the fear of Russia in order to press longstanding aims as killing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which it says would, would pose a security risk by increasing European dependence on Russian gas, and the cancellation of which would conveniently force Europe to purchase gas elsewhere when the U.S. is trying to increase fracked shale gas exports. Ukraine is also keen to stop Nord Stream 2, since it would lose transit fees for Russian gas currently piped through its territory. Ukrainian state energy firm Nafto Naftogaz estimates losses at $3 billion a year if the new pipeline becomes operational. This could explain why Zelensky, while downplaying the threat of war on Saturday, did call for sanctions on Nord Stream 2, regardless of whether Russia attacks or not. If this is true, Ukraine's about turn reflects its fears that the situation is getting out of hand. An initial policy of talking up the threat to derail the pipeline and get access to advanced weaponry has snowballed to the extent that it might actually start a war, which would clearly be catastrophic for the whole of Europe, but most of all for Ukraine. But if neither side actually wants war, what is there to be afraid of? The answer is that this military posturing is extremely risky and does significantly increase the chance of conflict breaking out. This is true for all the traditional reasons. Moves pitched as deterrents by one side can be interpreted as belligerents by the other. And the West has the proven track record of goading Russia with air and sea deployments along its borders. As Guardian columnist Simon Jenkins observed a few weeks ago, the invitation to Moscow to call the bluff is glaring. More than once in the original Cold War, misunderstandings came close to sparking nuclear conflict, which was averted by the courage and calm of individuals on the front line. Few in the U.S. Congress or the British Parliament, for example, seem to grasp this risk. But with Ukraine, the risks are enormously multiplied. This is because the war in the Donbass means that fighting does not even have to break out in the ordinary way. It could be, it could be said to be happening already. And the nature of that war means a new outbreak might not even be under control from Moscow or Kiev or Washington. Nazis in the Donbass. The self-governing separatist People's Republic of Donetsk and Luhansk are backed by Russia, but their forces are not part of the Russian army. On the other side of the trenches, the situation is even more complex. The Western media, particularly in Europe, has gushed over the heroic volunteers manning the battle lines for Ukraine in the Donbass, even running interviews with ex-soldiers from the West contracted to fight for Ukraine, that is, mercenaries. Kiev's forces in the Donbass war are by no means all regular soldiers. Far-right forces were the foot soldiers of the 2014 Maidan coup that provoked the conflict and have been out on the front lines ever since. Most notorious is the Azov Battalion, a neo-Nazi unit formed from ultras from the Metalist Karvik Football Club in 2014. Kharkiv Football Club. 
Its founder, Andriy Beletsky, is an unsubtle fascist, having called on Ukraine to lead a crusade of the white races against the Semite-led Untermenschen. Ukraine's interior ministry authorized the formation of parliamentary battalions that year, and Azov was one. Another, the Adar Battalion, or the Idar Battalion, formed the same year, also has far-right ideological associations. Here's the tiki torches. I told you guys, tiki torches. All right. Pictured here, Ukrainian nationalists carried torches and a portrait of World War II fascist leader Stefan Bandera during a rally in Kiev, Ukraine on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2022. The rally was organized to mark the birth anniversary of Bandera, a man who betrayed his homeland and collaborated with the invading armies of Adolf Hitler. Western media, including the Associated Press, downplay who Bandera really was, calling him the founder of a rebel army that fought against the Soviet regime. So it's okay to side with Nazis when you're enemies with Russia. And it's okay to be friends with Russia when you're fighting against the World War II Nazi Germany. You know, pick a side, United States. Okay, anyways. These fascist units are allowed a cloak of respectability by Ukraine's rehabilitation of Nazi collaborator Stepan Bandera, and rewriting of history to portray genocidal organizations like his Ukrainian insurgent army, which played a major role in the Holocaust as anti-Soviet patriots. Um, and it says here, People's World in the U.S., Morningstar in the U.K., and other newspapers are sometimes accused of exaggerating the fascist character of the 2014 coup in Ukraine and its aftermath, since the Kiev government itself is not overtly fascist. But the turning over of police and military units to fascist control by the regular Ukrainian government speaks volumes about the power of fascists in Ukraine, and the current government itself glorifies actual fascists like Bandera. Then, of course, the current government is guilty in the very least of having the bad taste of marches through the capital commemorating regiments of the Waffen-SS. By autumn 2014, Amnesty International was warning the Ukrainian government that it had documented war crimes including abductions, unlawful detention, ill-treatment, robbery, extortion, and possible executions committed by the Idar Battalion in the Donbass region. The mother of one separatist fighter reported the head of her son being mailed to her in a box following his capture by white nationalist paramilitaries. Yet that September, the Azov Battalion was formally enrolled in the National Guard of Ukraine. Enter the mercenaries. Are these the forces that Western volunteers or mercenaries are signing up with? Certainly, they have tried to recruit foreigners in the past. Hope Not Hate warned in 2018 that the Azov Battalion was working with a British group called the Misanthropic Division to recruit far-right British activists to travel to Ukraine to fight. Ukrainian Communist Party leader Petro Simonenko says foreign mercenaries are allowed to sign up with the Ukrainian military as a matter of course, and it is not just units like Azov which recruit them. After the 2014 coup, Ukraine has turned into a sump of neo-Nazis from around the world. In the Donbass, there are mercenaries from many countries as part of the volunteer battalions, he tells me, including the United Kingdom. In addition to the ideological Nazis, you have the human safari scum who see the war in the Donbass as a kind of extreme entertainment. 
Then you have the private military companies, fighters and instructors from La Terra 43 from Italy, Halo Trust, Greenstone, Academy known as Blackwater before 2009 from the U.S. and others. So uh, that's their new name, Academy. I think, uh, who is it? Two Rivers, you told me that, right? And there are a lot of official instructors from NATO countries, the U.S., Britain, Canada, and so on. Leaving aside the risks to people back at home of allowing these mercenaries to travel to war zones to fight alongside known extremists, we saw the potential consequences when a fighter returned from the NATO-backed war to overthrow Gaddafi in Libya, killed 22 people in the Manchester Arena terror attack in 2017. The picture is explosive. Ukraine's militarized Donbass border swarms with professional soldiers, neo-Nazi paramilitaries, trigger-happy adventurers, and war tourists, mercenaries, NATO advisors, and thanks to the recent war scare, there's a growing direct Western military presence. It would not take much to light this tinderbox, and quite a few of the unsavory characters in that mix would not be averse to doing so. That is why the only sane approach to this crisis is de-escalation. The governments of NATO, of the NATO countries, must be pressed to withdraw troops from Ukraine and stop loading up an army bristling with volunteers with heavy weaponry. Talks with Russia and Ukraine on reviving the Minsk peace process have to be revived, as Putin requested in Moscow this week. The U.S. and NATO must cease their dangerous brinkmanship. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is an article from, again, February 3rd. Okay, so that's my third heavy-hitting article on Nazis in Ukraine. And yet, you have the legacy media saying that uh, Putin is a crazy madman and that there is no such thing as Nazis in there. Hey, Deplore Laura, what's up, hon? You're up late with us tonight. How's it going? Uh, Deplore Laura says, I trust Putin more than Biden. Well, I do too. <laughs> I do too. Uh, yeah. Hey, Tanette Booth, what's going on? Yep. Uh, yes. Fourth Reich in America. Absolutely. Glad to see you with us tonight, Miss Tanette Booth. Hope you're having a good time. So yeah, we're just, uh, we're just, you know, dissecting and debunking this whole thing live and on the air. You heard these talking points here first at Mr. C weeks ago. Okay. All right. Okay. I know I keep saying that. Let me toot my horn one night. Okay. Uh, let me see. Okay. So we're not going to get into genocide as a, uh, we're not going to get into genocide as a reason to go into Donbass tonight, guys, because, uh, We've already been at this for over three hours, so I'm probably going to wrap it up here in just a minute. It's almost 1 a.m. here, Texas time. Maybe we can talk about it tomorrow. Um, here was another one, but this is from 2014, the neo-Nazis of Ukraine. So, but we'll, I can, I'll just hold on to this one. Again, Victoria Newland. <laughs> yeah, organizing with Nazis, I'm telling you guys. Uh, let me just do this, though, before we head out tonight. Just so you guys can see how crazy this man is. Fox Business. Why did the U.S. import Russian oil at record rates? <laughs> Russia is a major supplier of oil to the United States. Now, this is as of January, February of this year. Okay. Oh, but how long has uh, Putin, I mean, how long has uh, Biden been calling for war with Russia and they're going to strike? 
But why are we importing oil from Russia, enriching them if they're going to strike, you know, Ukraine and invade them? It makes no sense. Oil prices soar above $100. Okay, we already know that one. Oil steadies as the U.S. seen unlikely. Where does the U.S. get its oil from and what will happen? How much oil does the U.S. import from Russia? Not much, but not nothing. Mm. They say we, we have bought more oil from Russia under Biden than we have in the past. Okay, and we're still buying it from them. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe after these sanctions, we're not going to be buying it from them anymore. But uh, it doesn't seem like that is the case, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see here. U.S. oil price uh, prices surge, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> U.S. sanctions will not target Russia's oil and gas. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Let me open some of these here, guys. And then we're going to call it a night. So let's see. The vast majority of the oil is from Canada. Okay. From Russia, we bought 17,855,000 barrels, with November's imports being the lowest value of the year, but still 7% of all imports. Which sanctions, With sanctions looming, there is a large likelihood that these barrels will stop arriving in the United States. Okay. Sanctions from other NATO members are likely to preclude blah, 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 blah. Oh, we looked at a chart in one of our episodes. Oh, this is it, I think, actually, now that I mention it. This looks very, very familiar. I'm pretty sure if we click here on Russia, it'll give me the information I want to share. Okay, this is uh, from 1990. Yeah, okay, so I've shown this to you guys before. Um probably about a month ago. So, uh, you know, just to uh, re, uh, reiterate our purchasing from oil. Okay, let's go ahead and put that on the big one. So here you go. From 1995 to 2002. Okay. Now that is uh, thousands of barrels, right? Okay. So... So when uh, Trump was in office, we had a dip. Okay. Now uh, Trump gets in, I mean, uh, Biden steals the office and cuts down the XL pipeline. And here we already see a spike. So we're up to 25,427 uh, barrel, thousand barrels in June of 2021. Okay. So I guess it's fair to say, yeah, we, we eased off buying oil once uh, there started to be a threat of war. I guess that's fair to say, okay. But we were enriching Russia this entire time. Now, in May of 2021, uh, April, they had already had their, what, their 100,000 troops on the border in April of 2021. Okay, but we were still buying a lot of oil from them at that time as well. So, okay. So you can see, we're not wrong in saying that under Biden, we bought more oil from Russia than we have. See, that's we bought more in that month than we ever have. Okay, so, yeah, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. And I think we will leave that there. Okay, folks, it's been a fun night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with us here at The Sea Report for this special double edition that we ran today. Uh, I believe we will be back tomorrow. We may talk South Asia. Maybe we'll do, I don't know, 
some watch parties. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff that I want to do. Uh, but before we head out, uh, let me let me please do remind you guys uh, to check out our um, podcast and also our website. Let me see if I can pull up something here for you. Do, 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 do. Oh, wait, that's already up. Where's that? Is it here? Is it here? Is it? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. All right. Here's the podcast for you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll try and get today's both episodes up as soon as possible. You just head on over to anchor.fm slash the C report, anchor.fm slash the C report, where you can take our podcast on the go. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you missed the live stream, subscribe for free, support us if you'd like. Uh, you can actually set up monthly contributions, 99 cents, 499 99 $9.99 per month. We'll just put it this way. At 99 cents per month, you're going to get at least 20 episodes of the C-Report, and that's not including other broadcasting, so your support is most definitely appreciated. And then head over to thecreport.com, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, sign up for our email address. Our first 20, 25 uh, uh, signees will receive a free Mr. C sticker or two for promotional value. Um, and, uh, well, they're pretty handsome stickers, if I do say so myself. They were made by uh, BrainPod over at um, over at uh, Printus Maximus. Very, very handsome stickers indeed. Uh, so first 2025 to sign up, you know, if you would like, you know, I will happily send you over a sticker or two, ladies and gentlemen, just so you can see the sticker. It's a very handsome sticker. See, Printus Maximus did good work there, guys. Did good work. All right. And uh, that's just to say thank you for supporting the show. If you've already signed up for the email list, I will email you shortly to see if you would like to receive a sticker. So uh, fret not, ladies and gentlemen. I will most definitely send you one also. Also, our site is going to be relaunched. This is a holder page, like a holder page. We got uh, we got a website in the works. I've been working on it the two days I was off, getting a lot of stuff done in the background that I don't normally have time for. So, well... We'll, uh, we'll leave that there, I guess. We'll leave that there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me go ahead and release the scratchin'. Thanks again for hanging out with us tonight. I'm just going to do a quick rundown. WC Cranop, Tanette Booth, Punky Custer, the Casual GG17, WC Cranop, CJM61. What's up, buddy? MacGyver. Two Rivers, you guys were an absolute joy tonight. Thank you guys for being part of the audience and uh, uh, bouncing off those ideas uh, with us during the show. I hope this show was entertaining, if not somewhat informative or somewhat entertaining and highly informative. Either way, I appreciate you. Hey, Railanon. I, I knew you were still there, Railanon. What's up, bud? All right, guys. <laughs> Y'all have a great night and we will see you again soon, if not tomorrow. And uh, yeah. Oh, wait, how could I forget? As we say here at the Sea Report, be safe, be blessed. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow.